Welcome back to the Carpangler Chronicles podcast. Of course, we have part two with Stephen White, where Stephen goes into even more depth about the kind of bait he would choose to target specific fish. If you were someone who is targeting the bigger fish of the venue, you're not going to want to miss this. Make sure you tune in, take notes. I know I certainly learned a thing or two from this podcast. I know Pete did as well, and I'm sure you will too. So we hope you enjoy it. Before we jump in, of course, I need to mention our awesome sponsor, carphuntergiveaways.co.uk. Check them out whilst you're enjoying this episode with Stephen White. Bait making is so personal. I mean, with, with, with the Dean episode and the Jason episode, for example, um, I mean, both those guys make fantastic bait, but yeah, they said sort of contrasting things. Dino knows more about bait than practically anyone in terms of, of, of you know, real geek stuff that he knows about. Yeah. Um, you know, but commercial baits have to be all things to all people. For sure. Yeah, for so, sure. So, so, so the lads who make their own bait, you, you literally change, you can change your bait week by week. You know, if, if Dino's selling his super orange, if a customer, if there's a slight difference in colour, the customer's kicking off before he yeah. even starts fishing. But but as you know, as a bait maker, you fish meal comes as different colours. Yeah. Depending on 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 you know, if you buy a low temperature fish meal, depending whether it's 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 mostly herring or it's whiting or it's capelin or whatever it is, it's still LT ninety four, but it can be it can be completely different. It can even have different texture. You can have stuff what's more gritty because it's got more um, skeletal bits in it, or you, if it's a whole fish made with a small whole fish, it can be it can be a lot smoother. But a bait maker's got to cope with that and sell it to his customer. His customer says, "Oh, maybe it's like a tenth of a shade less orange this week." Yeah, Dino knows it's the exact same bait, but but you've got you know customers are just are just hard work, aren't they? When it comes to things like that. Um, because they don't know. So, so if, anything, if anything's different, then they're suspicious, aren't they? Whereas, whereas when I go in, you know, this week, if, if I fancy, like I said, when, when I had the UK PB recently, was a bait I threw, I literally I ran out of ingredients as such, I just used everything, so I thought, right, just whacked a load of LT, of LT in it. Um, I think, I, I, that was it, I run out of CPSP90, so I just thought, right, well, it's going 8% liver hydro, bang. Um, I'd run out of something. I think I'd run out of kelp. Um, I could, I couldn't. I, basically, I couldn't make the Grenville's Golden Balls mix. I didn't have the stuff for it. I was missing something or other. So I had, had a load of Mpex Bella, which I whacked in, and I just I thought well, I'm, I'm not even rolling this because this is not going to roll. I'm, I'm bricking it. So I cling filmed it up and and just chopped it into bits. Mm-hmm. The good thing about having bait knowledge is I was confident that that bait was was good, even though I'd literally thrown it together, not even to a recipe. And and, and the one thing I, I, I say to everybody, because I, I will talk to anybody about bait, and, and people just, honestly, when I start talking about bait, most anglers just want to die. You can see their eyes glazing <laughs> over. It's like, no, just shut him up. Talk about You're on football. the right podcast, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but normal anglers, they want to talk about football, beer, tits. And, yeah. and and what you're catching. And I start talking about bait and they're like, just go away. You know, but the one thing, the, the only advantage I have over all these anglers is I never doubt my bait. Like, like my, my mate Lee, right, 
on, on, on acting. He's one of the best anglers on there. He's a quiet lad. He says nothing. And he has rinsed that place. He has rinsed it. He's a, he is a good angler. And in 2018, when the lake was moody because of the low oxygen, in 2017, he'd had 20 fish out by August, which is like three years worth for an average angler. Yeah. And in 2018, I don't think he caught for his first 10 sessions and his head was falling off. And he was like, I'm changing my updates, I'm changing my rigs, I'm changing that. And he is, honestly, he is a really good angler. Um, I had the opposite. I'd had six fish in the first six trips and then it all fell apart. But while it fell apart, I did a 21-night blank uh, but I, I, my head was not falling off because I knew it wasn't the bait. I had the ultimate confidence of the bait. As it turns out, probably misplaced. I should have gone in with my nut mix. But my point is, I just kept plowing through, and I caught, you know, I, I caught the randle in in the the autumn. Then in 2019, when when it felt it went badly, and I only had three originals, I stuck with that bait, and by September. I pulled a brace of 40s out of Grenville. Whereas if I didn't, I made that bait on paper and I knew that was a good bait on paper. I knew that was going to catch fish. And when it didn't, I was like, oh, hold on. Right, I'm just going to carry on here. And, and, and the point is, the knowledge gave me the confidence to carry on, even though I was, I was either catching stockies or blanking on it. And I knew it was a good bait. I knew it was different. Because it because that was the plan for it to be different and not catch the big females, but the fact that I wasn't catching the big males, wasn't catching a lot. Some of the times it was like, and, and the lake was fishing well, but I still had the confidence because I knew that was a bait, a good bait. And since then, you know, I've had I've had two forties off Acton, you know, from June. Sort of June, July, two forties of Acton, then he had a forty-eight and a fifty-one off Grenville on it. So, but what I'm saying is, without that confidence to stick with that bait, then I would have done something else. Or what? What would I have done? That 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 is that is where bait knowledge is, is everything in terms yeah. of not the technical side of like lads, lads who can tie these brilliant rigs and you know. But my point is, lads coming into the sport now. How do they make a decision as to what bait they buy? I think they're just heavily marketed, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. It's all. But what I'm saying is they can't make an informed choice as to what bait. They're either going to go with what Ozolness is catching on or they're going to go with whatever Darrow Peck's catching on or Tom Maker or any of these high-profile Instagram people or, you know, Alan Blair, whoever. They're looking on Insta and they're using that bait, aren't they? For sure. And I'm, I'm on a, a couple of Facebook groups, which I don't really contribute to, but it's just people put pictures of rigs up and, you know, the usual crap. Mm-hmm. And, and when someone says, what boilers should I use? Everybody says their own bait. And if, if you say, and they say, shelf, you know, someone put, put a question up, shelf life or freezer bait, and all lads will go, shelf life, shelf life, shelf life, shelf life, shelf life. And, and I, 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 sometimes I get involved because I can't help myself. And it's like, yeah, shelf life is shit, mate. No, they're not. I, I, I catch loads of fish on it. And you think, mate, trust me on this, you're better off on freezer. And they'll say, oh, well, shelf lives aren't as bad as, as, as they used to be. Yeah, but they're still preserved. There's no even, way around that, is there? Even if, like, people like Jason says, 
his bait turns as soon as it gets wet. My point is, a freezer bait starts turning before it gets wet. Mm-hmm. Before you put it in the drink and wash those preservatives out, whatever they are, your freezer bait's turning. Yeah. And that's how you want it to... If you, if you think about... Um, you know, um, people talk about sweating baits up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, what you're doing is you're creating a warm... You put a, a bait in a poly bag. You've, you took it out of the freezer. There's all sorts of microbiology in the air. It coats the outside of the bait. You stick the bait in a poly bag. You, you put it in anaerobic conditions. You've got a lot of um, lactobacillus. Yep. Some of the lads in, in one of my online bait groups make their own hydros, and they basically capture lactobacillus on a rice wash, yeah. culture it, and start making their hydros. They're absolutely mental. Love they it. catch fish on them, and they, they love it. They make fruit hydros, fish hydros, all sorts of pineapple hydros. They just love pissing about with bait, which is further than I go. But I've, I've been reading a bit about lactobacillus and stuff like that. And when I was telling you about Tony, who absolutely turned over the lower lake at Acton, he was into turning his baits. And he was using a commercial bait and turning them. And, and two things off that. Was he using uh, lactobacillus? No, no, he wasn't using lactobacillus, but lactobacillus is all over the, the air. So as soon as, right. as, soon as you, if you turn a bait, it's, it, that and yeast and all sorts of crap is, is getting on your bait. And then you when you exclude oxygen, then you get an anaerobic conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, the bait he was using was from a, a quite a well-known company. I'm not going to name it, um, but I've got a, a mate in one of the bait groups who, who works in a food lab in, in Southern Ireland. And he got sent some samples off this well-known bait group. It's not one of the big three, but it's big. Yeah. Um, and he analyzed them. And there's two fish meals and one seed meal. One of the fish meals came out at 19% roughly 33% moisture, 19% protein. The other fish meal, which is a big a big seller in the UK, and it's hot, if you catch me drift, right. 23%, 23% protein. And the seed mix, the cream seed mix, was, I can't remember off the top of my head, 13% or something, which you'd expect from a, a seed mix, but even so, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, Tony turned that lake over using that boiling particle, but he, but he was, he was, he was turning them. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the nutritional, it wasn't the nutritional side of the bait because if, if you're looking at a fish meal between 19 and 23 percent crude protein, there ain't a lot of fish meal in that. It, it was, it was the fact the attraction. He was, he was forming organic acids on on it on his bait by turning it, and the way he was fermenting his particle, and he was catching a lot of fish. He wasn't discriminating between size of fish. He was catching a hell of a lot of stockies, but he was catching them all winter long as well. And that ties in, because I thought he's doing well on a fish meal, that kid, over winter. Not that fish meals don't catch, but just on bulk protein. As Dino um, said, you're not digesting a lot of protein in winter. Well, the bait he was using had rock or protein in it, but he was turning them. That's got to be a huge edge as well, isn't it? For the guys yeah, who yeah. do short sessions, if you can have a bait turning sort of before you're putting it in the water. Before he's putting it in. And, and that is what I did in my solid bag fishing on Grenville. It's boily only. So you can't, yeah. you can't use pellets in your solid bags. It's also a three-ounce lead rule. So you can't, I can't cast a three-ounce lead more than 90 yards. You need to be going at least 110 mm-hmm. as a starting. So, so you can fish solid bags. 
So after speaking to Tony, normally I hot soak my freebies, but you don't want to be hot soaking them to put in a solid bag. So with this Grenville's Golden Balls mix, because of the success I've had with organic acids and, and the fermentation and the turning of, of the baits is obviously, I think, is forming organic acids. So I started whacking a load of Bellacan in the Grenville's Golden Balls, not putting any liquids in, and then I'd take a kilo of, of, the, of, the, of the bait and I, I, I probably re, refroze it six, seven times. Um, and then I was putting in the crusher, I, I, was, I was crushing them up, but leaving some good nuggets in. Some of it was going to dust, and then I was putting a little stick over the, um, over the hook point so then I could, I could get it down. But, but I think it was a combination of, A, the colour, but also all the, you know, the, the baits. You can smell the organic acids in it. And this is what we're talking about. This leads to what Patrick was saying. Patrick was saying amino acids have, a, have a, an extremely narrow concentration in terms of, of what they do. Now, two things what I, I not have a problem with what he's saying, but in terms of the application, what I use, I can't be, I'm not pole fishing. I'm not whacking in every 15 minutes. I'm whacking in some more attraction to keep that level within a, a you know, a specific mm-hmm. molar concentration. Given, given that a one cubic meter of water is a thousand liters, look at the dilution of something like Grenville where it's 26 foot deep on average. What's the dilution in that lake? So, 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 so what's feasible is I think it, the stuff he's doing is feasible for match fishing. But if you're waiting 24 hours to four hours for a bite, how, how do you amino acids? Uh, uh, the only way that they're working is how I'm using them. It works when they chew the bait. And, and also, he, the other thing is he's, he's concentration on olfaction. Mm. Yeah, which gets which gets something which initiates what's called searching behavior, as in the, the chewing the gravel. The, the, whereas I, I I want gustation, I want that fish to want to eat that bait, and I think in terms of amino acids, the one which catches which which makes them want to eat is L-glutamine. Yeah. In in association with other stuff in that bait, so even in a pre-digested fish meal. You've got a lot of five inosine monophosphate. You've probably got you've got other um, nucleotides. You've you've got the ribonucleotides in in the Broca cell. You're adding external aminos in the HVP. You throw in in citric. The Broca's the 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 Bellican has got a shit ton of of different what I call the smelly the smelly ones. So if you look at Mbut- if you look at um, Bellican. It's got like your caprox, your isovalerics, your embutrix in various. Same with the, the namplar, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All those act on gustation. All, I mean, D- Dino highlighted it for me. He he, he was on about citric years ago in an article he did for Cartwell, and he basically said, which I knew about but had never connected, because it's all everything's about context. He said. Everything has a Krebs cycle, which is which is also known as the citric, as you'll you'll know because you, you you've done a lot of this stuff. It's the citric acid cycle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So the reason why why citric acid and all the other 
organic acids are so stimulatory, but the, 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 the stimulatory in terms of gustation is they're all either citric acid, which is the Krebs cycle, or the what's called um, metabolic intermediates like alpha ketoglutaric. So basically anything what is living, nearly everything works on the Krebs cycle which is how, how all organ not all, but most organisms produce energy. So any anything what dies in that lake, like blood worm or whatever, will be leaking citric acid, all the other metabolites and, and, and metabolic intermediates. Lactic acid, you know, is a function of muscle, muscle activity, isn't it? Anaerobic muscle. So all these things. I'll tell you what, I, mean, I, I put on a bait um, and I caught a fish on it. Um, I put some red wine vinegar and some apple cider vinegar on some pop-ups. I made some cardboard pop-ups, yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't get the recipe right. I used to put, uh, did a certain recipe, and someone else said, no, you can put an extra 50% more cork dust in it, and I tried it, and it didn't hold together well. But I put some um, red wine vinegar and some um, apple cider vinegar. Now, apple, apples, if, if, apples have got a lot of malic acid in them. And, and if you turn it into vinegar, you get acetic. So apple cider vinegar has got malic and acetic acid. Um, grapes have got a lot of tartaric acid in. So when you turn it into red wine vinegar, you get tartaric and acetic. So in that in that mixture, you've got tartaric, acetic, and malic acid. And I put them on some pop up on the the cork dust pop ups, um, but they weren't that that good in terms of structural integrity. But I did I did catch a fish on that using it as a snowman. Um, we, I've not really done much because I, I, I sort of I didn't use them because they weren't as firm as I like them. Um, mm. But again, th- those are three organic acids, carboxylic acids, and all of them. If, if you look at Katsumian and Dovin, um, he does it for I think it's for Tench and Bitterlin where it's got the the palatability index. But, but for Tench, all the organic acids <clears throat> are, are like next level. On the palatability index. Yeah. So if if you if you if you, if you want the um, I had this discussion with Dino. I think there is a synergy, and I don't know what the biological mechanism, but I think there's a synergy between organic acids, amino acids, and nucleotides, things like that. I don't know. I I'm not sure it's 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 fully chemo receptive. I don't know what it is. In in humans, you know what synergy is, don't you? Mm-hmm. I explained to you before. Basically, when if you, if you stimulate one muscle group and then fire another muscle group off, you get an amplified response in that second muscle group. Now, I'm I'm wondering if there is is that sort of response in fish, as in if if something like an organic acid stimulates a different receptor, say from um, from an amino acid. Does it give an amplified response if it has both in the bait? Mm. I don't know because I've not read anything about it, but in my mind, that's why fish meals work so well. Do you have any sort of thoughts on using TMA with carboxylic acids? I don't, but uh, my mate Gaz Nevison, he owns Nutritional Bait Development. He has a squid flavour which has got a lot of TMA in it, and he reckons Mm. it absolutely rinses. And I keep meaning to, to get some pop-ups off him because I can't be asked making floral pop-ups because I hardly use them. I only use them in solid bags on Granville. 
so I can't be arse making three different colours of, of I don't really fish single baits that much because I, I, I want to get a feed response for the reasons I've out, outlined in terms of fish stimulation so I struggle I struggle with single hook bait fishing but he, he, he he's into TMA he's got a squid flavour and he reckons it is and I trust I trust that guy that guy knows about bait and, and he's, he says that squid flavour is, is the nuts yeah, does he does he use it in conjunction with carboxylic acids at all? Um, I think he uses embutric in his pot. I, I don't know what he puts in his pop ups, but mm-hmm. I, I've got a couple of my mates to buy bait off him, and they've done well on them. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he puts embutric in with a squid, and I think that does it does the nuts. Yeah, on singles as well. I know it pulled the there's a syndicate in the Midlands called the Bowl, and there's a there's a forty pound fully in there, and the kid had it on his bait. Um. There's a kid been on on Grenville on his bait who's abs fishing the cabin, but he's rinsed it. Um, so yeah, I would I think there's mileage there. I don't know much. To be fair, I don't know much about TMA, um, and TMAO, you know, TMO and, and oxide. That's um, right. Yeah. But um, massive fan of solar squid and octopus. Yeah. Which they don't make it anymore. I don't know if solar is still selling it, but. But they it, do, but it's not the same, I believe. Yeah, you know, well, right, I, tell you, I can tell you now because um, they don't make it anymore. It used to come from a company called Nutriad, and it's called, its trade name is Adarome Squid. And I tracked it down to the manufacturer. Basically, I tried getting some, I was using a squid and octopus, and it was 20 quid a bottle for 100 mil, and I thought, that is dear. It was adding £1.20 to a kilo of boilies. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is dear for a flavour. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't that I couldn't afford it. I just thought it was taking the piss out compared to what else I was putting in. So I rang Lockie and said, can I, you know, can I buy a litre off you? And he come back with a price not much different from from the, the what I was buying in the shops in, in one in hundred, you know, in the uh, hundred mil bottles. Yeah. I thought, sack that. So I, so I tracked down the Adarone powder to um to to a, a place in the Midlands. Um, and I could get a kilo, but I had to buy 20 kilo box. And I thought, I'm not buying a 20 I can't, What am I going to do with 20 kilos of the powder? It was spray dried onto silicon dioxide, but it's still, what am I going to do with 20 kilos? And I couldn't be asked selling it. Um, and I managed to get a kilo of the powder from a pellet place. Um, and they were selling it as squid attract. But I still wanted the liquid. So I, t- I eventually tracked the manufacturer down and it was had own squid. But again, they wanted me to, to buy 25 litres of it. And it was two and a half grand. <laughs> So at the time, I was getting my bait ingredients off a guy called Glenn, who used to have uh, Burton bait rollers. And his ingre- at the time, his ingredients were, were really good. He was in one of our bait groups. He was selling, he was obviously, he used to do baits and contract rolling, and, and his ingredients were good. And I started doing a bit of consulting for him. And I kept saying, I said, right, this is where it comes from. This is what it costs. But the, yes, it's 100 quid a litre. But it's getting diluted when it's being sold commercially. So, so it's only costing twenty quid a litre equivalent of what you're buying in the shops for two hundred quid. So, it's, but but he had to lay out two and a half grand. So it took time, but I I got him to buy some, and I ended up getting a two hundred and fifty mil of the uncut stuff, which was equivalent to to one and a quarter liters. And I used a lot of the squid and octopus, and I loved it. And now, the, now, the, and obviously, the rumor is that that is that is either TMA or TMO. TMAO, yeah, in it, and I've always loved that flavour. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's trimethylamine, isn't it? So it's 
it's what you get from fish decomposition. So it's it's been proven as the TMA and as the TMA, the, the trimethyl amine N oxide are both good feed stimulants, aren't they? That's it. But what you're saying is there's some synergy between that and organic acids. Yes. Which would make, I, I look at things now, when you say something like that, I think, well, what's the evolutionary advantage of that? Well, the evolutionary advantage I see that is if you've got rotting fish, the cell membranes are producing embutric and caproic and, and the, the proteins are producing TMA as, as they degrade, won't they? Sounds <laughs> sounds good to me. Do you know what? I've not looked at it at that depth. Right, right. Um, no, no, this is off the top of my head. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I haven't no, looked no, no. into it. I'm just saying, if, if when proteins, I'm presuming trimethylamines and amines, amines come from protein decomposition, I'm presuming. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so if you've got rotten fish giving off TMA, mm-hmm. it's because the protein's degrading. Well, the fats in, in, the, in the fish, say you had a dead trout, yeah? The, yeah. The, as the protein, the muscle degrades, you will, it will produce TMA. Is it, does it produce the oxide first and then that degrades to TMA? I think that's how, I'm not sure how, anyway. The, the point TMA, is TMA one first. Or yeah, TMA and then TMA and oxide, whatever. So it's producing TMA as, as the protein degrades. As the fats become act, acted on by anaerobic bacteria, it'll produce all the, the, the valerics, the caproics. So, so, so from a, a cart's point of view, something dead is going to give with protein, you know, protein degrading and fats degrading and it doesn't have to be a fatty fish it could be the cell membrane fatty acids that is telling the carp that there's some dead protein something what was alive is now dead and is getting pre-digested for it right there on that spot where that smell's coming off so that would make sense so do you know i used to have a paper on this and i'll probably get sort of slated and all sort of remarks from the back of this podcast for saying this but it's something to do and this is off the top of my head i've had a few beers I'm, i'm a little bit foggy um, but it's, it's something to do with, with the reaction um, with the TMA or the TMAO um, and the carboxylic acid. Something to do with that reaction produces a byproduct of that reaction. Right, so it's not, it's not just a synergy between, in terms of chemoreception, it's an actual chemical reaction. Correct. All right, cool. Um, and like I say, I I've probably didn't said know that. Every, I'm, day's I'm... A school, every day's a school day. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. But do you know what? So I haven't got the paper anymore, and I've searched and searched and searched high and low on the internet, and I've, I can't come across it. So if anybody out there's got anything on it, I would, yeah, be very interested if they wanted to send that across. Right. So do you think that's forming the the, the trimethylamine N-oxide? No, I don't think so. Uh, but I... This is where I... My chemistry isn't that strong. No, nor's mine and honestly it's been since my sort of laboratory days and stuff at university yeah. is, a, is a long time ago now mate well, it's 30 well years since i graduated so you know it was 1992 when i graduated and i i drank a lot of beer at uni mm. so you know 29 years since i last did anything academic so um but that's, that's interesting because I, I i would have thought or i suspect that there is is a synergy in terms of whether you call it taste or, or, or gustation or, or the various things. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a, a synergy going on. Mm-hmm. Well, like in, in humans, like, like Patrick Mills said, if you, like in strawberry jam, 
Yeah. You, you, you've got sugar, you've got the fruit acids, and you've got all the esters out of the fruit and all the polyphenols and all that crap. And all those things combine in humans to give you a massive taste response. If you have a clotted cream, a clotted cream uh, scone or whatever from, from where you, you're from, um, you've got all those, plus you, you've got the mouthfeel off the cream, haven't you? And all the lactones in the cream and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a synergy in the taste response. Like when you eat um, a bacon butty with, with tomato sauce, you've got the glutamate out of the tomato, you've got, you've got the salt and the nitrites out in the bacon and, and, and the, the nucleotides in the bacon, the yeast in the bread. The point is, I suspect, but don't know, that there's a similar um, synergy going on in carp. And that's why fish meals are so good. Meat meals, so you know, if you if, like Sean talks about meat meals, doesn't he? Yeah, you're getting some, you know, a lot of you've got the nucleotides, you've got the L glutamines, you've got a lot of stuff going on in meat meals of, of a similar um stimulatory um functions or stimulative stimulatory properties. Sorry, um, so yeah, anyway, I've, I've kind of lost a track of where we're going with that, and I'm not drunk. <laughs> yeah we're, yeah we're talking about tma weren't we yeah it went on to the subject this is yeah the wonderful this, thing this about podcasts we can meander going, I, just, I just i just go off at tangents and, and never necessarily come back but um just not quite as amusing as billy Connolly when he does it um yeah so yeah so sorry to cut in um sorry to go cut, on, in, cut in there the, the thing with tmao is is it's it starts with TMA, it turns into TMAO, but you talk, you two are talking Under about... Under what synergy. process? Is that a manufactured process or a natural one? Well, it depends where it happens. So, I mean, even humans will convert TMA into TMAO. Um, it, it, it depends where it happens. So it can right. happen in the body through like an active process. It can um, happen through, as far as I'm aware, it can happen through decomposing bodies or muscle tissue. Um, but the thing is, you, you're talking about the different compounds of TMA and, you know, what, what it is, is it synergy, etc. It's basically mm. um, choline, betaine, and I think carnitine. Um, now, if you look at those three things, certainly choline, as, as Dean has said in previous Choline podcasts, is massively attractive, isn't it? Really attractive. Betaine, you know, <laughs> it depends if, if you're on dr patrick mills camp or or probably our camp um but all these things interestingly enough are in, uh, are very attractive to carp in their own right um mm. so i think there's huge crossover in a lot of these things and i think a lot of these ingredients that seem to have like these kind of miraculous effects on the carps chemoreception and gustation generally they all kind of like start to tie back don't they to to a similar to a mm. similar theme um and I think this is well, where to think about about to jump in there. Yeah. Um, pineapple flavor. Pineapple flavor is either I think it's methylbutrate. It's either ethylbutrate or, or methylbutrate. One of them's peach and one of them's pineapple. Ethylbutrate. Well, basically is, they're based on, on butyric acid, aren't they? Is is ethylbutrate? Ethyl, ethyl. Yeah, you're more northern than me. I'd call it ethyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ethyl butrate. Yeah, that's that's pineapple, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So so, so basically, it's it's, ba- it's very similar, 
to, to butric acid. Mm. All the cream, all the cream flavors are based on on butric acid. Scopex. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, yeah, exactly, and it and it kind of all it all kind of ties up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Here's you, a question you know, I want to ask you as well. Go on. Go on. Sorry, carry on. I'll, I'll get it in a minute. No, I was going to say. I mean, uh, and you know, flavors that are rich in butyric acid team them up with embuteric acid generally they do well i mean pineapple and embuteric fucking mm. classic, classic isn't it and like like you yeah. say that th- th- there's crossover there so i think sit personally i think synergy and i've been thinking about this a lot over the years but more so recently i think synergy of ingredients and different compounds i think that's that's really where you can start hitting to hitting into some things that are that work above and beyond the, the other things, you know. I think that is where say it, us as bait makers, we're looking for the holy grail. Mm. We're looking for the, the 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 biggest edge we can get, right? That tends to be our edge sure. in our angling, isn't it? And I honestly think yeah, it's, yeah. it's not looking at it's not looking for the new like shiny ingredient. It's looking at ingredients, putting them together and seeing what their effect is of those ingredients together. I, I think that is the, yeah, absolutely. Of, the, the way to absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry to interrupt, you, you and Pete have been... No, 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 no it's fine. Going. Tailoring those things to to specific carp, if you can find that information. Well, ah, you mentioned one of the podcasts. I can't remember who it was. It could have been Dino. Because I basically, what I listened to the Sean Harrison one, the Jason Ryder one, and the Dino one in pretty quick succession. Yeah, you mentioned bioflavonoids, and whoever you spoke to went hmm. didn't really pick up on it. Dean, what what yeah. were you trying to get out there? Because basically, spices have bioflavonoids on them, don't they? They do. Yeah. One of my favorite spices is turmeric, and that's got I know that's got bioflavonoids in it. Yeah, what what, what, what you, were you what were you what were you getting at there? What do you think is attractive about turmeric? Um, well, a few things. It's got carotene, it's got carotenoids in it from the colour, and it's got a lot of bioflavonoids in it. So, what do you think they're doing though? Right. Well, bioflavonoids are antioxidants, aren't they? Carotenoids are definitely attractive to carp. You, you you've got a uh, Cancer xanthin, you've got xanthins, you've got carotenoids themselves, vitamin A. Carotenoids, generally speaking, if you look at Robin Red, what's in Robin Red is is carotenoids. Mm. In in, in your your Spanish red pepper, yes, you've got citric acid, yes, you've got um, probably other other organic acids, but you've got a shit ton of carotenoids, haven't you? Paprika's got carotenoids in it. Yeah. And and a lot of bioflavonoids. Another thing I was I was interested in um, a long time ago. I never tried it. It was just a passing thought. Rose hips. Rose mm. hips are super high in bioflavonoids and vitamin yeah. C. I thought if you could get a rose hip powder, powdered rose hips, I reckon that would be a banging ingredient. Mm. But I, I don't know. I've, I've I've not found any. I've not really looked into bioflavonoids on um, carp, but. Um, Imperial Carp in Germany sell the citrus bioflavonoids, don't they? I, don't, I have no idea. I, it's, it's they've got the N- N- NDHC sweetener, haven't they? That comes that comes from citrus fruits. You know okay. the um, the Neo Westbury and Dash Alcohol. I yeah, I know that. I know that sweetener. I've, it's not. 
I'm not too knowledgeable on it, to be honest with you. I didn't know it was a bioflavonoid. No, I don't know anything about it other than it comes from citrus fruits, but the same company who sells that sell a product called citrus bioflavonoids. Right. Um, they actually sell it to put in dog food to, to um, you like this one, enhance stool firmness. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember think... Glyn saying something about citrus bioflavonoids. There's an additive, and I think they were putting it in, at about 10 grams per kilo, so, you know, 1%. I mean, going to, to answer your question, what I brought this up in the... You've got to understand I'm a nutritionist, a human nutritionist, so yeah. it, it, I'm working on that basis, and I kind of... I, I see things from a different angle. It's just then the task sure. of translating that into the world of carp. With very, we're very different from carp. I think if you yeah. if you kind of subscribe to the knowledge, to the idea that carp know what's good for them, they they know what mm. feels good when when they eat it, and they can kind of start latching onto foods that are perhaps filling a gap within their dietary needs. That's one level, right? So let's say yeah. a certain bait has got a certain vitamin or mineral or or, or even an amino acid that they're perhaps yeah. perhaps lacking in. You could say that that carp's going to latch on. I think if Absolutely. You, to, go, to go down deeper than that, um, I mean, if you look at really what what ages a, a, a carp and humans, you're looking at telomere length, you're looking at free radical damage. When you introduce yeah, something sure. like bioflavonoids, um, the scavenge free radicals, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That they're, they're they're dealing with free radicals. They're basically annihilating them or mopping them up, as is, is commonly mm. you know said. They're these polyphenols that, that are often derived from plants. I think when you, get you them consume spices, them, don't you? they have a real kind of therapeutic effect on on the the damage that that happens to to humans as well as carp on a cellular level. Sure. So, I think that is the next stage up from filling holes of mineral deficiencies or amino acid deficiencies or whatever it might be. I think it's the actual, mm. you know, dealing with cellular stress, um, dealing with how carp age, the, the the wear and tear that they have on their body, not only through the rigors of, say, spawning, et cetera, and just growing and living, but also different foods. just old age, yeah. Substance to you. Because mm. if you look at a carp, what they eat nowadays, this they, they have a huge percentage of their diet in these lakes that, that are fish, certainly. A huge percentage of their diet is not natural to them. It's it's a man-made yeah. thing, and naturally, with that, it's going to carry a lot of stress to the carp, and it is going to change. Yeah, especially them on with shelf life, oilish preservatives. Yeah, loads of stuff. What have you? You, you, we could go on all night naming the different things. That is going to stress the carp on a cellular level. Is going to cause some ill effect to their biology. Mm. Now, I think maybe it would make good sense to can to to introduce into the feed different compounds polyphenols bioflavonoids that that actually help undo some of this ill doing from from all of our yeah. mate that that was where i was edging with it i think dean actually thought right. that i was saying that they were unattractive to carp but that i don't think they bear any attraction no absolutely not but but it's, well, it's, that's it's where more I, than... I think spices come in personally mm. I, I i i personally think the benefit of, of, of spices certainly i'm mean, into turmeric yeah I, I think it is the polyphenols and the bioflavonoids which i, th I think that there's some sort of attraction there anyway um i mean I don't, I don't know exactly what's in those baits i just know 
it improves them mm. very much. And also, no, from from my point of view, no one's putting it in their bait. In 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 you know, the lakes I'm fishing, there isn't a lot of. I mean, one of one of the uh, the key baits has got it in, I think, because it's that color. I'm using it as a color, but I've also put it in my dark fish meal, and it's done very well. I used to use um, uh, garlic and uh, fenugreek. Yeah. Um, but I changed over to, to turmeric um, I, just because I, I wanted to try it, and, and I've not I've not looked back since. Um, but yeah, when you mentioned that, it sort of, it sort of got sidestepped, and, and I was like, yeah. Because I reckon there's a lot in the original Robin Red with the paprika and, and the and the Spanish red peppers. I reckon there's a lot of polyphenols and and bioflavonoids in that. Yeah, well, uh, and fish used to go mental for it. I don't think it's the same product as as it used to be, and it, and it isn't no. because it's been changed to the hook bait, stroke feed bait. But it still stands. It is another point. Is it just another aside? That bait that I took to France when I when I ripped Dream Lakes a new one. I actually put paprika in the nut mix. First, first, and only time I've ever I've ever done it. Mm. I, I I don't know. I just I just got it into me. I thought, right, I'm making a big load of it. I'm going to try some paprika in it. And and and, and that did well. I'm not saying it's a paprika because I think it was the fat content, but that's the only time I put paprika in my bite. And it's something that um I want I, I, I intend to return to. The only thing what stops me is acting before he put the stockies in, was so hard that it wasn't a place to experiment and actually learn something from because you could do a 21-night blank when you were doing everything right. So when, you, so when you're experimenting, you're not getting enough feedback in order to determine something. Anyway, just as another aside, the thing you said about old carp, when I was on Celebit, I was using the full-fat GLM at quite high levels. And I think it was Mark McKenna. It was a 2013 Northern Angling Show, the first ever one, and, and Mark McKenna was there when he had Baitcraft. And we're talking about GLM. And he said it's not worth the money because the defatted stuff, the normal stuff you buy at 30 quid a kilo, has had the oil taken off. And basically what he was saying was the oil is sold as an anti-inflammatory in in capsule form, he was saying he was saying it's 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 a very bioactive oil in terms of inflammatory, and I think I think they're only about eight percent oil. When you get the GLM meat, they basically cold press it to get the oil off it, which is about eight percent, and then they freeze dry and grind what's left and sell it for the pet foods. And it's got glucosamine in it and what have you. But he said it's the oil, what's worth it. And and I and the fish the, like the, when I had Rosie in twenty thirteen, she was like forty odd years old. That bait had full fat GLM in it, and I was just wondering if full fat G if if, if older carp, older mirrors like full fat GLM for its anti-inflammatory properties. Yeah. Yeah. I use it. <clears throat> I get it from Feedstim. Um, yeah, yeah, because it's about 60 uh, quid a kilo, isn't it? Yeah, it's it not cheap. <laughs> yeah, it, it's painful. And if you're putting it in at sort of 5 to 7%, it adds like 2 quid a kilo, two, 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 three quid a kilo to your, to your boiler, doesn't it? 
It does. I mean, I'm not. But, I don't. I don't make fee-based now, but I'm. I'm on the hook bait kind of thing. But yeah, which right. is cheaper. No, what about from but, a yeah, fee bait point pricey. of view? But I think that's the only. I think if I was using a full fat GLM, I think the reason I stopped. I stopped using it is because when I went from Selby to Nipton, I went on a couple of sessions and I caught. My second trip out of 33. Um, and then, but there was loads and loads of bream in Nipton. That shit tons of bream. And I thought, I'm not paying for full fat GLM to put 10 kilo a week in and get wiped out by the bream. I'm not doing it. So I took I took the full fat GLM out of the bait. Um, but it's always something that I'm meant to do on Acton because they're old, older mirrors. They're like 30 years old. Um, but I just never got around to doing it. But I wondered if, if that would have, because they're older fish, would it have, uh, you know, the, the, obviously the, the mirrors on Selby were 45 years old, the, the, the originals. But, you know, would 30-year-old, would, would they benefit from, from the full-fat GLM? And then I never got around to it because I was doing well on the liver fish meal. But I was just wondering if, if it is the anti-inflammatory effect what you know in a feed bait which would would it single out the big old mirrors i think it's i never with, got around to doing it with full fat glm i think it's more than than just the the dmpt and and that side of things which a lot yeah, of yeah I, I don't think that's no. i don't think that is 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 anything because someone was asking me about dmp dmpt and hook baits and i said i can't see the benefit of dmpt in a hook bait because what, what DMPT does, if you, if you read, if you listen to people, is it acts as a methyl donor. It, it donor, it, basically, it's involved in osmoregulation it is, and it acts as a methyl donor because it, it's dimethyl propiothetin. Yeah. So unless that carp ingests and, di, ingests and digests that bait, then it can act as a, a methyl donor. What is it doing? Because it's supposed to increase feed, feed intake, like betaine. Betaine acts as a, is it supposed to act as a, a methyl donor in and acting on osmoregulation. So, so my point is, that unless the car, if you put it in a feed bait and it ingests it, then yes, it, it, it's, it's going to improve the carp's osmoregulation if it's short on if it's short of that betaine. But what is it doing in a hook bait? Would you not add betaine to your hook baits? I don't because I I used to use. Um, and I just betaine on Selby, mm-hmm. and then and then afterwards I tried DMPT and I took them out and no, it's not a jot of difference. But I was using both paste and liquid original L zero thirty, and I don't think there's been a better additive ever than that. Mm-hmm. And I also had CPSP ninety and sodium castanate in that and full fat GLM in that bait. So so I think, uh, but and then. I was talking to Dino about it and he said, well, you've got, you've got betaine in fish meals. And, and obviously you've got betaine in, in molasses, you've got betaine in the GLM. So he says it's different if you put it in a bird food. But I, I honestly did not notice any difference. The thing, what's, what I've noticed the difference, you know, the one out of the additives, what work instantly and catch fish in terms of, I wouldn't add beat, I wouldn't add betaine, but, organic acids all day yeah and and if it comes down to aminos it's something with l-glutamine in it 
So you've got all your hydrolyzed vegetable protein type things, your yeasts and your fish meals. Fish meals have got a shit ton of, of L-glutamine in and that's why I think they work in addition to things like 5-IMP and, and you've got biogenic amines in it as well, depending on how, how it's processed. You've got all sorts going on in fish meals. Um, but betaine, uh, the jury's out on that. I put it in and then took it out and didn't know it's a difference. But it was a very good bait anyway. So it's these things can be percentages, can't they? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? I think a lot of the time with the like betaine HCL, it's probably a pH shift, isn't it? There might be. No, but I was using the anhydrous. Yeah, it's just straight betaine. Um, but I, you know, I was catching all. Like I, said, I was catching all the mirrors. Didn't notice a difference. Put it in, took it out. DMPT. Put it in, took it out. Didn't notice a difference. Whereas you start doing hot soaks, you start putting high levels of pre-digested in. Big difference. Do you know what I mean? The game changers. You put in en- en- enzymes and playing with alcohols and stuff like that for commons in warm water. Big difference. You're saying about the. Um... L030 is as being, you know, like mm. a an extremely attractive substance. Yeah, we, and I agree, you know, for an amazing amazing product back when it was available. Let's just unpack that. What do you think it was that was so special about L030? I don't know because I've never seen a profile of it, but what I know of it, it was made by Sea Garden. Yeah. What I heard, and I don't know whether this is true or not, was that it was a food grade um basically like a taste enhancer made for things like soup bases and things like that now if that's the case it is likely to be high in l-glutamine because because if you look at things like worcester sauce Mm. and other stuff they have anchovy extracts in them things like that and and that comes from in the fish or yeast it's the l-glutamine and it's a nucleotide together Now, I suspect, I don't know because I've never seen a profile of it. I just know when I've used it in a bait, it is deadly. I think it's something to do with the, the way they processed it or it was high in L-glutamine. It's a fish protein extract, so it's probably got, well, it will have a lot of nucleotides in it. Um, and I think there's some synergy there. So why would, why would you not get something like Salmigo, which, which is a salmon hydrolysate, and just add the bits in that you want. Do you think that would could render a same effect or not? Well, I sort of, I'm getting the same effect now because um, it comes to, again, like I said, Dino is, is as it down. When you start making bait, right? My, one of the, some of the first baits I made, I put everything I thought was attractive. There's about 18, 20 ingredients. There was spirulina, there was liver, there was this, there was that. There was everything in it. At like two and three percent, there was like twenty ingredients additives. A lot of them are doing the same thing. Basically, if you, in a bait, if, if you've got something like bellicanin, you've got all the all the organic acids you'll ever need. You've got rotted proteins, so you've got a lot of L-glutamine in there. It's rotted, so you've got biogenic amines in it. All these things. There's everything you want in that. You throw some squid sauce in it, again, the same things in it. It's got anchovy, anchovy extract, in, hasn't it, which has been anaerobically fermented. You've got the same thing. You don't need to put 
cheese powder in with those. If, if you throw a bit of caramine in and a bit of when you could get it, maybe a bit of caramine and some brocoli, and you've got a fish meal in anyway. You you've got everything there. Yeah. Hmm. You've got absolutely everything there. The, th- the difference is back then when I was using L zero thirty, I was putting between 30 and 50 mil of the liquid in and probably 50 grams of, of the, 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 it was like a pasty powder when it yeah. was spray dried stuff, mm. but I was only putting 5% CPSP 90 in. Mm. So in terms of powder, you, you've only got 10% um, sort of CPSP 90 equivalent plus, plus the 30 mil of the liquid. Whereas in, in my um, liver fish meal, I'm putting, 12% CPSP90, 5% hydrolyzed liver, which, you know, you get everything in hydrolyzed liver, haven't you? From bile salts to, yeah. to all the, the, nucle- the nucleic proteins to all the vitamins, you've got loads of choline in it. The point is, you've got everything in that bait with what you're already putting in. So, so it, when I was putting 8% L0 in, I didn't have all the other goodies in necessarily. In, in, in that concentration. Yeah. So, so you're substituting one for the other. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Are you using bovine liver or, or pig or chicken? Um, no, the chicken liver hydro from BAF. Chicken. Um, wow. Because that's the only thing I can get hold of. Yeah. But as far yeah. as I'm aware, that is the original trigger powder. I'm not sure. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I'm pretty certain it is. Right. I'm pretty certain the original trigger powder is chicken liver hydro. Mm. Ken Townley would be the man to ask for that. He'd know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've not sort of, um, I've no sort of literature on it to prove it. And, and you know, if you, I mean, it's supposedly the, the Holy Grail is hydrolyzed bovine liver, isn't it? It's, it's, if you yeah. can get a pharmaceutical grade hydrolyzed bovine liver, that is supposed to be the Holy Grail. But where'd you yeah. get it from? In you can get quantities. it. Yeah, you probably have to order. Can. can you get it? You can get it. Ken, Kenny Gates, who I get my bait from, uh, manages to source it. Yeah, yeah it was a little bit easier to get a bait. Boxes. He's not buying it in kilos, is he? Sorry. He's not buying it by the kilo. He'll be buying a twenty kilo box. Oh, he, he'll be. Well, I don't know, mate. Actually, I don't. That's know. how it's packed. If, it, if it's if it's a pharmaceutical grade. Hydrolyzed bovine liver, it'll be in 20 kilo boxes. Mm. It's probably coming from Holland. You can't get it. I can't get it in a kilo. Unless I go to someone like Kenny Gates and say, sell us some. He he showed it to me and it is it is a different kind of gravy. Beautiful, I bet. Yeah, no yeah, pun intended. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's different. Different gravy. Well, again, yeah, yeah, it is. It is a thing, though. How much difference does it make at five percent, say, when you've got twelve percent CPSP ninety, Bellacan, LT, okay. mm. Brocasel? What what I'm what I'm saying is, what percentage is it adding to that bait, and then you're hot soaking in organic acids? I, I I mean, I'm talking for him now, which is which is not good, mm. but I think Kenny would say a lot of difference. I think he spends quite a lot on right. It. Um, no, no. I, I, if, I, what I'm saying is, if I could get hold of it, mm. I would use it myself. 
Yeah. But what but what I'm saying is I used to, I used to be obsessed like you're saying you paying sixty quid for the full fat GLM. Mm. I've taken it out and arguably got better results. Yeah. Because I understand yeah. because I understand what everything is doing in that base. Yeah, there's a workaround to be had, isn't there? That's the thing. Yeah. 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 What I'm saying is if I could get hold of it, I would rip his hand off. But mm. the way I look at it now is if I've got everything I want in that bait and that, that bait is suiting the application that I'm doing, what percentage is it adding? Because I'll t- I tell, tell you now, there's nothing I don't think what's more attractive for carbon citric acid in terms of gustation. I'm not on about olfactory signaling. I'm on about making a carp eat a bait. Mm. But in my opinion, it's how you how you apply it. So, same with the other gustatory organic acids. I, I I think I think those are are the key to gustation in a, with the other stuff. What's in it? And and and. Uh, all I'm saying is, yes, the holy grail is, is the bovine, but how much more is it adding than the chicken liver hydro? Because they've both, they've both got the bile salts, they've both got the nucleic proteins in them. They, 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 they both meat extracts, so they'll, they'll have all the glutamines and everything else in it. What extra percentage is that adding at 5%? Because you're looking at a certain percent of 5% in addition to everything else you've got in the bait, haven't you? That said, he put a word in, and, and I'll uh, <laughs> tell him I want some. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. I watched um, on one of the one of the Facebook um, bait groups I'm in. One of the lads posted the link to the YouTube video. You know where? Um, what's he called? The, the the guy who fishes rainbow. Kevin Ellis. Kevin Ellis. Kevin. Yeah. You know when Kevin Ellis went down to his factory? Yeah. Mm. Um, and he was turning labels around and all that. It was, I really enjoyed that. I thought that guy, that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> but even even if he was to offer me free bet, and this is not knocking Kenny Gates, I don't know him. He obviously knows what he's talking about. Even if Kenny Gates said, "I'll sponsor you," here's hundred kilo or whatever, I wouldn't use it. And that's no disrespect to him or anybody else in the bait game. I like playing with my baits. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. It's fair enough. And, and that, is not a, that is not a dig at Kenny Gates because he obviously knows his stuff. Yeah. And he's got top-level ingredients. Like you say, he doesn't keep his flavours long. But I like I like doing it my way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. with you, dude. I, I was I was the same for many years. <laughs> I, just, I don't have the time now, and I just I just can't do it. I have to give it up. I don't want to. I'd, I'd rather roll my own, but I just... Yeah. The fucking time involved. That made me laugh when you said that, when you said you formulated it, you came up with a game plan, you went into the roller and you thought, I couldn't be asked. <laughs> that is me, that, it, that is me yeah. every yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. Every week. Yeah, every week I'm just like, I can't be asked rolling. Especially like for Grenville, because you, you're going to put a lot in, even when you're not catching. You're going to put... Mm. Yeah, you're going to try and take 8, 10 kilos there for a, for less than 48 hours. Mm. And And... You know, you just, I just, it's just like every week I've got to do that and I just can't be asked. But then, but I can't, I can't not do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do you, do you understand? It's like I I, I've got to keep all these ingredients. I've got to knock the base <laughs> mix up. I've got to, if I'm gunning it out, but it doesn't roll because it's so soluble. So, so I'm rolling barrels. I've got to gun it all out, boil it, clean all the pans. Or if I'm bricking it, I've, it's just, oh, it's cr- rolling base crap. Fair play to people who do it as a job. It's different if you've got an automated machine, but when you're at, yeah, exactly. at my sort of level where you, you know, you're doing 100, 200 kilos a year, um, it's just nut aching it mm. every week. Mm. But Definitely. I can't not do it. A, because I'm interested in it. B, I have the utmost confidence in the bait. Even if it's like I said in 2018, when it went warm, I should have jumped on the nut mix straight away and I didn't. Um, and that's when it all clicked. When I thought, oh, you dickhead, you, you, you know, I could have done well. I reckon I could have done well when no one else was catching. Mm. Because the lake, honestly, the lake did not do fish for like 10 days and then we'd get a low pressure in on the weekend. And I, I, was, I wasn't fishing the weekend. And the lake would kick off. You get a low pressure in, the, 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 the temperature drop, you get rain coming into it, the, some extra oxygen. And the fish would do, the lake, whole lake would do six fish. or, or Sorry, it, six pegs did two fish each. So it did, in, in one weekend after a hot spell, it did 12 fish in 48 hours from six different pegs and Acton didn't just did that's before the stockies. That was like miraculous. And then it went hot again and didn't do a fish for, for like 10 days, two weeks. And I thought if I had gone in with my, my high fat nut mix there, I reckon I would have cleaned up, not cleaned up, but I, I think I would have had a fish every so often. Um, so that's something I'm going to, I'm going to look at for sure. Um, but that, that was, that, but that is, is, because you roll your own, it would have meant ordering all, all the separate ingredients, getting them in, mixing the base mix up and reacting quickly yeah. to that situation. And while, yeah. while I was umming and ahhing and then we'd have a low pressure drop and it, you know, it'd fish well and then it'd go hot again, I thought I should have got some nut mixed on. Should have had it in the freezer, done. Here, yeah, co- that, 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 that made me absolutely wet myself when you said it. You know, you planned it all out and you just couldn't be asked. <laughs> I thought, Mate. oh, absolute classic. <laughs> I was geared up for it. I, I bought an electric gun yeah. and everything. Like, you, know, um, you need an electric gun. Yeah. You may as well kill yourself if you're well, not. We used to use gun. pneumatic. <laughs> yeah, we used to use pneumatic. Yeah. But new new yeah. technology i suppose isn't it time times have moved on i still don't i don't think you can beat a pneumatic to be honest you know they they got the raw no. power there haven't they yeah i what i've got now I remember when I used to use the old the old gardener metal one and oh, you know by the time you've three kilos brutal. your arms falling off. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean I reckoned it if I if I was to do more time on, on Grenville and put a lot of bait in. See what happens there is he'll bait up from the boat with he likes a lot of bait going in to feed his fish. So for, he, he will bait up in his boat. If you put a marker out he'll put bait out. No, I don't do it because I only, I don't get there till sort of noon and then I've only got sort of just under 40 hours to go. I don't see the point in me filling it in. Because if I get a small pod of fish coming along, I might overfeed them. Do you know what I mean? I just think I've got more chance just seeing how it goes and spotting it out. But if I was doing more time there, I reckon I would want to put more bait out and therefore I'd have to get a machine I'd have to get an automated system because I couldn't be rolling 20, 30 kilo in one go on the system I've got. No. 
you know, if I do 10 kilo in a day, in, you know, an afternoon, that's enough for me. It really is. It's horrible. <laughs> mm, no, I feel you. But yeah, I was killing myself. When I, when I listened to that, I, I just thought, man, <laughs> I know where you're coming from there. <laughs> Here's, here's a question, then, just, just to round up a few things you've spoken about. I mean, I don't know how we're doing for time. Dive off if you need to. Um, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, mate, honestly. Could, so for the listeners that have been listening intently, yeah. and I'm sure they've got a few questions, you know, running around their mind. First off, in your opinion, Stephen, can we single out Big Fish? And if we can, how would we go about doing that? First of all, try and find out if, if you've got a target fish in a lake, if, if, if the lake's got one big fish in it that you want, first of all, what is it? Is it a mirror? Is it a male or a female? Or is it a common? Then I would direct. If, it, if it's a big female mirror, and you're going in blind, I would go in a fish meal, a heavy fish meal. A lot of LT, 30% LT some pre-digested, maybe some liver, some brococel, whatever, but a heavy fish meal. You could put GLM in, you could put Robin. It doesn't matter what goes standard, in. But it's standard a heavy fish meal. meal. Yeah, standard fish Standard fish meal, meal a, a red fish meal, whatever. Mm. That's for your big female. If it's a big male, I will, I'll try and find out what it, what it gets caught on. It will, they will pick up fish meals. But if it's more... If it's, if it's more of a predatory fish, especially if it's a big, long thing, then a potentially a brighter bait, a nut mix. If it's a common, and if it's a male common, again, I would go with the bright nut mix with, with your molasses. Particles work well, maize works well, um, your molasses. But I think a nut mix. Now, fact, now I when can, you... When you well, say a bright bait, sorry to interrupt you, mm. but you want about like, uh, I have to ask because people will be mm. listening and asking this question themselves. Are you on about like a like a bright fluorescent orange pop-up? No, or... no, 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 no. I'm on about a, a bright feed bait. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it'll probably be a sucker for a yellow or a white, a white hook bait. If, if, it's, if it's a male common or, or, or a, a big common, big commons are suckers generally for a yellow or a white. Maybe a pink, depending on. I, I think male. I think males and commons be more predatory. You're more likely to get on on, on a brighter hook bait, not a fluoro, but maybe a, a, a dull white or a a dull yellow or a dull a, a washed out pink. Certainly, I think brighter hook baits. I think they sight feed more. Mm-hmm. But the thing about really pressured fish is they've been single hook baited to death. It works in spring when mm-hmm. when they. You know the, the pressure's not been on for for at least three months, but once they've been once anglers come back on the lake, you know what I mean. Certain fish shy off bright. I think like Definitely. the big female. Condition. I think you better catch them on on, on, a, on a fish a fish meal hook, mm. a dark hook bake. But I but I think the more predatory that that target fish is, the more susceptible it is to a bright hook bake. You think a, a male common, or well, big commons, but particularly male commons, are yeah, more a male, a male mirrors to some extent. They're more prone to sight feeding. Mm. No, it's not, nothing's cut and dried. Yeah, yeah, of course. But but I think I think that is the case. 
Um, so, but, but the thing about the nut mix is it has everything. It's visual and, and it has the things in that commons like. Such as? So, so if, if you were going for a, for a male mirror, I would, I would look at, if you can get it on a fish male suite because of his big mirrors, female mirrors, I, it's nailed on. Um, but I think the, the male, the, like the big males I've had on Acton, I've had, like I've had the, um, in the lower lake, the biggest male there is white tips. I've had it twice. I've had it once on a single white pop-up, like literally two days before it spawned. And the other time I had it in, in, in May, but the water was a lot colder over my liver fish meal. Um, the Atwell male I had on, on my nut mix. Um, the peach I had over me, my bright, my Grenville's golden balls. Um, the, I had a 37 mirror, male mirror on my Grenville's golden balls. I had the double back male on my Grenville's golden balls. I have had some some bigger males like to thirty five on my fish meal, um, but I would certainly say on the brighter baits and and the not whole fish meals, I would say I've had a bigger percentage of my big males. Hmm. But I have had big decent males on 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 out and out fish meals because because nothing is is a hundred percent. Yeah, still yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course, of um, course. But certainly, and it depends when when you're fishing for it. If if you're fishing in the in the um, in the spring, I wouldn't go with a full fat a full fat peanut. I would go with with a defatted twelve percent peanut protein and cut the fat down. Um, in the spring and and certainly if it, if it, in the winter, if you're going for it in winter, I would still use the peanut protein, but cut all the fat out of the bait. Hmm. Because I think the thing about nut mixes is if you, if, if you're with a defatted peanut protein, there's a hell of a lot of fiber in it. So, so nut mix is still working winter because the the fiber goes straight through the fish. And here's another thing: what we we, we haven't touched on is winter baits. My my ideas about out and out cold water baits is just fiber. You want fiber, You want something what goes through that fish quick. So the only the only thing uh, some people advocate milk proteins in winter and I I, I personally don't see it because I don't think they've got the enzymes to do it. And if it hasn't got the um the enzyme activity and, and if it hasn't got enough fibre in it, it's not the gut transit time's slow. So so in, in winter I, I would base a bait on a lot of fibre like hemp expeller. Mm-hmm. And the only the only um, protein sources, the only whole intact protein sources I would have in, well, I wouldn't have any intact protein sources. It would be hemp expeller, carbohydrates, bird foods, and the only thing in would be pre-digested. Pre-digested proteins, whether some CPSP ninety, some le- my my dedicated winter bait, which I, which I don't roll anymore because I can't be asked having all the ingredients. I don't fish that much in winter if it's because it's been frozen, hasn't it? So there'd be no point in having a lot of ingredients, but it's basically a liver, hemp, and bird food. So it's got it's got pre-digested chicken liver in it. It's got hemp expeller, um, and it's got red factor, CLO, maize maize flour, no added fat. And, and what that does is when when the fish eats it, the hemp expeller basically draws a lot of water in. 
and that water it helps digestion, but it passes through, it bulks up the bait, and the bait goes through the fish. So depending on it, it doesn't necessarily digest a huge amount of it, but it doesn't block the fish up. It speeds up the gut transit time. And I think a low-fat nut mix would do the same in winter. So if you were going after a big common in cold water, then I, 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 would, I would make a low-fat nut mix with a 12% defatted peanut protein, some tiger nut, and then some maize, and, you know, the rest of the crap you put in. And, and, and that would that would help with um, it's 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 a visible bait, it's visual, and and it's got what what common seem to like. So so that's that's the way I would go until until I get more information. Do you know what I mean? If 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 you know that um, your target fish comes out in a white pop up, then you'd fish a white pop up, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but if, if if you just go in blind and you think, well, you know, it's a forty pound male, then I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna try try this till, till I know any any more information. You know, if you, if you go on a lake and everybody's using fish meal and it comes out on a fish meal, then it's probably worth trying a fish meal, isn't it? Mm. If you know that fish gets caught, <clears throat> even if it's a male or it's a common or whatever, if it, if it gets caught on a fish meal, it gets caught on a fish meal. It's like the biggest common in Selby used to come out on all, all different baits. It was a female. It used to come out on all different baits, but it did get caught a lot of time on a yellow rook bait. Mm. A, but but when, when I started on Selby, most of the, nearly everybody was using ice red. So what is it going to eat? If there's ice yeah. red going in, it's yeah. going to eat ice red. Yeah. But it got caught a lot of times on a yellow rook bait. In fact, I think I lost it. Once I couldn't buy a bite, um, and Bullet, the lad who runs it, he's an absolute character. But he gave me half a tin of tigers. I think it was bait tech or something, and I, I was scratching. Um, and I basically put them in a just a little bag, put a tiger on a bit, a bit of plastic on the top, um, cast it out, and I had just the most enormous fight off a common, and I lost it in the pads. And I'm pretty sure it was a scar. Mm. And again, that was a yellow bit of corn on top of a tiger nut, and I couldn't buy a bite on anything else. And this was when I was using my fish meal before I went on the nut mix. And I, I'm I'm 99% certain that was the biggest common in the lake. Yeah. Obviously, t- time of year affects this, but earlier on, you were on about... Absolutely. Um, yeah, earlier on, you were on about targeting commons, big commons specifically, with fat dominant bait, so the macro, the main macro. No, no. If it's cold water, I, I would, I wouldn't have any fat in it. I would use defatted peanut protein. Yeah, I think you're on about. You weren't on about winter, uh, winter though, were you? No, no, no. Yeah, winter, if I was going after a common in winter, I would use a defatted. If I wasn't no, just not, using a, a, a white winter. single, if I was actually putting bait in, and it was mm. a big common, I would use a defatted peanut protein. Feed bait. Yeah, the, the no. defatted peanut protein, the peanut expeller is twelve percent, twelve percent fat, but it's got more fibre than roasted peanut meal because, as a percentage, because you've taken the fat out. Yeah, I'm not on about winter. I thought earlier you were saying. Oh no, right in summer, in summer, in, yeah. in warm weather, you want the full fat roasted peanut meal. 
Yeah, you were talking in about higher fat baits for commons in general in summer, weren't you? Um, yes, in summer, but that's a function of dissolved oxygen. So what my question was going to be, um, and I'm sure the, the listeners will be asking this, is do you think that that's working in as much as how they feel after eating it? Or is there some kind yes. of traction going on or what? Well, two things. One's a, one's a metabolic function, as in a carp in low dissolved oxygen isn't going to feel energetic. Yeah. So it's because how they it's, feel after eating that higher yeah, fat. Yeah, yeah. Because it's easier it, to, to process yeah, into it, energy, it, isn't it? It eats it. It takes the lipids. Out. It's lipase enzymes are working really well. Yeah. It's got a big fiber content. It rockets through. And, and the, the basically, the carp is taking, in my mind, is taking carbohydrate and fat off it. It's got in a lot of energy. And it's not, and it's feeling better because it's not got a huge biological oxygen demand on it, so it feels better. However, I don't know the exact neurotransmitter setup of the car, but it it must have a sense of either well-being or it doesn't feel that good. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, it's, it's it's biochemical activity will make it torpid if it's not getting enough oxygen to, to metabolize the food. It's got to feel that hasn't it in, in some sense i think definitely so i think if you if you give it a high fat if you give it a high fat bait in in low dissolved oxygen that carp is getting energy mm-hmm. that is in humans if you if you eat fat your brain releases dopamine doesn't it if you eat fat and sugar your brain releases dopamine because you've evolved like that because because they're high calorific foods with instant energy that is going to be something what's selected for in well, it, it has been selected for in humans. You eat you eat you eat high calorific foods, you get a dopamine response, so you repeat that action. I suspect, and this Patrick Mills said it, I don't know if he's got any biological evidence for it, but I suspect carp like fat. There's no chemo as far as we know, pure fats don't cause a chemoreceptive response. If you look at the low web paper of, of, of it's either 58 yeah. or 60, mm. they tested soya oils on carp and there was no, no, no feeding response until there was fish particles in it. And then once there were fish particles in the soya oil, there was, there was a, a feeding response. So that says carp can't detect oils. But that doesn't mean there isn't a physiological response when they ingest it. Now, I, like I was saying to you before, back in the day when of, of the premier days when they were loading loads of fish oils on fish meals and the carp went absolutely berserk for them, that is a different process than having a nut mix in a, in a low oxygen environment. Because in the, in, in the nut mix in the low oxygen environment, the carp isn't digesting in any appreciable amount of protein at the nuts. Because if you look at roasted peanut meal, it's granular, as in lumps of little little lumps of peanut. And when it shits it out, it's still granular. Mm. Now that granular is is composed of the peanut protein and everything else what's in it. Th- that's still structurally intact, so they're not taking a lot of a lot of protein out of that when 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 it's ripping through them and you see a carp shit out in your net or your sling and it's eating a nut mix. It's like it's like peanut butter. I suspect that they're taking some of the fat out and shitting the rest out. And that fat 
isn't creating high biological oxygen demand, so the car feels better. Because I, I said this to Dino, and he said, no, he, he didn't think it was the point. And, I said, well, and then he said, yeah, but when I said about the, getting the, the bikes in, in the daytime, and he said, yeah, yeah, people have been saying that about him, but he's not makes a squirrel. And then I spoke to him recently, and he said, yeah, that he thinks there is something in it. That, it, I mean, that it's it, a metabolic it, effect of using it, less oxygen. It's very easily transverted to energy. It, it's a low biological strain. Yeah. It, it also, yeah. mitochondria needs to be to be fueled and, and replenished, and obviously fat is the easiest way mm. to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's got a lot. And it's no other source. It's no other source of it in the lake. <clears throat> If you, if, you think, if you think when, when it's hot, yeah, yeah. Mm. When, when, when it's hot in a carp, there's loads of naturals about snails and what have you, mm. but they're all water. If it's, eating, if it's eating snails, a lot of that snail is water, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not taking a, it's not eating a kilo of, of HMV fish meal boilies in its gut where it's got, it's just got, you know, it's eating a kilo of boilies. The, the boilies are sat there. The enzymes are working fine, but it can't do anything with that protein, can it? No. It's, 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 I, that, to, to metabolize that protein is going to require a lot of oxygen. It's in a low oxygen environment. That carp's not going to be happy. So, so it doesn't, I just don't, honestly, when I, when I fished in, it's been hot on fish meals. They just don't want to know. Mm. But you... on the nut mix, different story. Yeah. Yeah, and the is only thing nut- I, I can put it down to is, is oxygen. Is your nut mix got a considerably lower protein content as well? A lot lower protein. Yeah, so that's what I'm what, saying. What when did when did digesting a full fat protein, a, a, a full roasted peanut mm. boily? Yeah, they're not taking hardly any protein out of that. They're taking some carbohydrate and they're taking the fat out of it, and the rest is coming out the back end. Mm. And there is roasted peanut meal isn't high in protein relative to fish meals and milks mm. but no. given the structure of, of a peanut in the all you've got all the fiber and the fat holding it together how, how do the, the proteases attack that protein and, and vegetable proteins aren't that digestible anyway are they no nope. relative to, 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 to fish <clears throat> meals <clears throat> so, so in my mind it's, it's taking the fat out the cart feels good you do well on 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 full fat nut mixes. In addition to that, you have the site feeding benefits for males and commons. Mm. So you're getting you're getting both sides of it. In that, that's that's to my mind. It makes perfect sense. Uh, I've got two more questions for you, mate. You fish. Uh, if you need to go for a piss, just let us know. We'll edit it out. Not a worries. No, I'm fine, honestly. Um, I'm out of beer. I know, mate. You, you, yeah, I've, I've done quite a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good man. <laughs> you fish busy circuit waters. Uh, that of, yeah. Obviously, they often have the swims stitched up. The swims that are doing the goods, you know, very hard to get in them. We've all experienced that, unfortunately. Mm. Obviously, there's only so carpet, much. Yeah, obviously, there's only so much you can do um, in mm. terms of attracting them into your area just due to the the carp sensory apparatus obviously it can't work one no you can't you can't but, attract them into your area yeah only from a certain distance though isn't it so what you know, would no, you ca- do this is the one thing i've learned right is carp mm. will be where carp want to be exactly that's my point mm. 
So how? So let's no, say you've, they, got blank, they, you've just got a blank through it. There we go. You've answered it. You've <laughs> got a blank through it until you get it. Until you get yeah, you can't attract carp. It, it, from a bait point of view, into your swim, carp will be where they want to be, or they back off the angling pressure, and all you can have is your trap set with the best bait you can put in there in the best application, which is the most important bit. It's the application that the method you put it in suited to what is going on mm. in that environment. That is the absolute key. I, I had a, 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 my fish meal, which I used on celibate was absolutely amazing in terms of everything, but it wasn't suitable to catch the commons. So, so, so even no matter where I put it, I still wasn't picking up the bigger commons. So, so, so that bait was good for mirrors, but it wasn't good for commons. Mm. If you, if you know, so, so it's the application what suits it. If, you, if you're fishing somewhere where you can't disturb the fish, then you need longevity in in terms of your your attractive profile because you can't keep baiting up on the red. If you can bait up on the red, then you'd be putting big dollops of ground, a sloppy ground bait and spotting on the reds. Because that gives you, like, like Patrick Mills said, every 20 minutes he puts a new dollop on his method feeder or his, his TVA bag or whatever. Well, yeah, you, if, every, if you can time it every 20 minutes to deliver a discrete amount of attraction, then that is a result, isn't it? Yeah. But if... if if you're waiting 24 hours for a bite, then then whatever Patrick Mills his solution is is, yeah. is is useless yeah. in a pressured angling because you can't keep recasting a, a bag mm. when disturbance is is absolutely everything. Mm. I've had a lot of my fish on acting leaving my updates out till I get a bite. Like, like 40, 45 hours in, I'll have my first bite in a worst case scenario. Mm. Before I started doing my hot soaks, that that was standard. If it was weedy, I'd recast. I mean, when I when I had um, the, the the first bay the, the first time, I put fifteen hundred baits out. I left it out twenty four hours. Recast once, one cast. Waited a twenty another twenty four hours. So that's forty hours in. I had my first fish. I put six bombs out of Boilies back on the spot at six a.m. Recast the hook bait, and it was half two the following morning when I had my next bite off that spot. So that spot in three days did two bites, and that was and that that was a result. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen, you've you mentioned a few times tonight, or more than a few, about your hot soaks. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm quite interested in this. So what, okay. what sort of? I don't want to sort of uh, I don't know, sort of like equal your secrets out of you, but what sort of process do you go through? Do you mean the actual soak? Yeah. Or, or, or I formulate the base mix to take the hot soak. Mm-hmm. So, so currently, both me, me HMV fit liver fish meal, or my um, my Grenville's golden balls, or if I was doing a nut mix, would all have ten percent orogel in them. Yeah, the HD eighty to, to and they they come out like rubbers, but because because the two fish meals are twenty three percent pre digested, mm-hmm. you have to do that. For it to retain any integrity and because if you if you don't put the orogel in and then put a hot soak on it that bait isn't going to last long no it's, it's going to you know break up when you've got rud like in acting you've got rud then that, that's a problem 
And then on top of that, I will do some form of, of, of soak. I used to, I've done it when I've not had time. I've done, um, I've put literally fresh orange juice. Yeah. Because it's got ascorbic acid, it's got um, citric acid, and it's got, well, I think it's got citrus bioflavonoids, it's got beta carotene in it. So, so, so or, orange juice on its own, fresh orange juice, is, is a really good soak. Um, on top of that, if I'm, if I'm doing it, I will get a jug of water, boil a kettle, um, I get my bucket, drop the boilies in it, leather the namplar all over it, mm-hmm. and then I make my hot soak. I put a, tea, a, a big uh, tablespoon of HVP, powdered HVP, tablespoon of, of citric, stir it up, pour it over it, over the boilies, stick the lid on the bucket, and that goes fishing with me. If I don't use those boilies, they come home and go back in the freezer mm-hmm. and then go back out again. And I'll do that twice if I need to. Right. Well, yeah, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because it's just absorbing it all in. Yeah, yeah. But but the, the the thing is, right, when people put citric in their eggs or their base mix, it's it's locked into the bait. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. Go on. So, so, so when they put a dry bait out, they, they take it out, out, the, out, the, out of the bag or whatever, well it in with a catapult, throwing stick, whatever. Mm-hmm. What's the citric leak off on that? And how do you know? Exactly, yeah. Because well, that's what Miss uh, Patrick was saying about about the S core. I try I tried the S core and sell, but I tried the liquid, the pellets, and the boilers, and caught nothing. And I'm not slagging him off because I, I, I might not have been, I might not have been on fish. Uh, it's not a try, what I'm saying is again it was bite times. It, you weren't baiting up every ten minutes. You were putting them out and leaving them for twenty four hours. But my point is, is dilution. Tank tests are one thing where you've got a discrete amount of water. You've got however many gallons, but it isn't really moving. Mm-hmm. You've not got massive undertows on, in a tank test. You're using juvenile fish so they can fit in a tank, and, and there's possibly a difference in sensitivity to a small, a small two-pound carp to a 40. There's certainly no angling pressure. Um... So yeah, so so, so you've, you've got a sort of the hot salt works because the, the, the attraction is external and yeah. it's not attracting them from a distance. That's not how it works. How it works is the fish either sees that pile of bait or it's grazing in that area. If you're lucky, it comes across that bait, it gets near it and then it's receptors go off because of the external soak. Mm-hmm. If it's within, I don't know, the premium time seems to be six to eight hours. So, so I'm assuming that when it comes across that bait, there's still enough in there to attract them and think, I'm going to eat that. And then they start chewing it, and that's when the magic happens. Why I say the magic happens. When they start chewing that bait, that's when it starts blowing it out of its gills. Once yeah. it starts blowing it out of its gills, it start, it, there's a cloud of attraction around its head where its head is covered in receptors and it's barbules, and it's, it's buried in a cloud of attraction. Because the baiting's a tight spot and it's not put out with a throwing stick, that fish isn't going anywhere because it's on that bait. And its head is covered. Its head is buried in that bait. It's, it's, it's blowing itself a cloud of attraction. 
And then, it, then in my mind, that's that's when it's going to drop its car. I think I'm eating this because it's self-stimulating. What he calls a the the involuntary feeding reaction is is chemosensory stimulation, isn't it? Yeah. That is what I'm trying to achieve as it's eating my pile of 80 boilers, which have been slommed out mm-hmm. in a tight spot. And that, and then worst case scenario, if it takes 24 to 40 hours from to eat it, there should be some CPSP 90 left or some liver and the fish meals or the, the other proteins will start being hydrolyzed by the lake's bacteria. Absolutely. So, so, so that bit in the 40 hours that I fish, that bait is attractive for the whole 40 hours from the moment it hits the spawn, it's the water. The moment I go home after a blank, yeah, I've blanked, haven't eaten it. But that bait is, is attractive in one way or another through that 48-hour period. Yeah. And that is, I think if you put something, if you put a standard freezer bait out, whoever's freezer bait, and it goes in dry, then it'll take, depending on water temperature, six to 12 hours. If it's a lower temperature, maybe longer, before water is diffused in. And, and nothing can come out of that bait till water is diffused in. So there's nothing coming off it. An absolute minimum six hours, between six and 24 hours, there's nothing coming off that bait, depending on water temperature, water movement, naturals, and everything else. There's so many variables. As I say, breaking up baits can sort of negate that, though, can't it? Absolutely, absolutely. But if you've got rub there, you can't break your baits up. Hmm. You yeah, drop, I, I've been on the damn wall and acted, dropped a nut mix down so you can see it, and it doesn't drop straight down. It goes left, right, left, right, left, right, in a zigzag because the rudder is in it as it goes down. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't put, you couldn't spam crumb out on Acton, wouldn't hit the bomb. Yeah. So, so you're putting whole baits out because that is the application you require. If, if I could put something out, I'd put, I'd put paste balls out. I'd put, I'd put like orange sized paste balls out with a catapult. If, if they weren't asked about disturbance, I wouldn't be using boilers. Mm-hmm. I'd, ju- I'd just be using paste and no egg paste, wet or sloppy spob mix, and I'd be filling it in every, every half hour. But you can't do it. Why don't you use a mix though? Of. Well, so you've got some paste going out there, you've got some boilers. Yeah, but I don't you've... need to because of the hot soap. Hmm. The point is, it's disturbance in the swim and the, the big originals. It's different now he's put the stockies in. But when I started, disturbance was honestly, when they were moving. No, I understand like I said, that. Yeah, if if a lake doesn't that. do a fish, right, you, you've got everybody on accent is, is very good to exceptional in, in, in general angling terms. There's no noddies on there. So the fish are pressured. Yeah. So when, when, when the fish are moody, it, it, like it, there's times that I haven't done a fish for, it's different now because he's put the stockies in, but back before he put the stockies in, sometimes it wouldn't do a fish for 10 days. Yeah. Now, there could be seven anglers on of a weekend. That's 21 lines. In the week, there could be four or five anglers on seven days a week, and it, the lake hasn't done a fish for 10 days. And I'm not saying they're not eating bait, because they are. But they're not getting caught, because, because they know they're being fished for. The, the master's at getting rid of rigs. You know, the, you got the slope. It's 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 just done fifty pound, and it comes out once a year. That fish isn't isn't just getting big off mudworm. No, exactly. It's done fifty pound when robbers put a hundred stockies in in total, and it's still done its biggest ever weight. All the fish weights are up since he's put the stockies in. All the fish weights have gone up. 
because all the originals are having to eat bait before the stockies have it. So consequently, all the fish have actually gone up in weight, which is the exact opposite of what you think they do. And that slope has still only done one capture here. And it's come out, like biggest I've had it is 46.5 and it's done 50 pound too. So that's troughing bait all year and not getting caught. Definitely. And then you got, I think then you got to look into how is that fish feeding? You know, is it, is it picking up bait Carefully. different from <laughs> the fish? Yeah, exactly. But the yeah, angle absolutely. which it approached, does it not move off? You know, the, the mechanism of rigs, then you got to look at that side of things as well. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But, but but that doesn't interest me. I don't care. I I think I will I will make that fish feed hard. I will make that fish feed hard, and I will catch it because I make it make a mistake because I, I'll give it something it wants to eat. And I'm not saying if I was if I was into rigs and rig mechanics and I could tie better rigs, or if I watched the water longer, I'd probably catch more. But I, I go angle, I go carp fishing to make me happy. Yeah. I'm I don't like I don't go day fishing. I like bivvying up. I'm happy as a pig in the shit when I'm in my bivvy. I bivvy up, I get there, and honestly, I feel the most amazing sense of calm when I get there. I just feel wonderful. And I, and I fish, I fish, I do it my way. Like I said, no matter what you offered me in the bait world, I wouldn't take it because I like making my own bait. I do everything my own way. Um, and I, I, I just I, that's how I get enjoyment. I go fishing to be happy. It is it is about catching the fish, and we all we all get what we like out of of angling. Um, but I just, I just love doing it my way, and, and rigs just don't do it for me. If if someone said this rig is is a deadly rig, and I, I tied that one rig up and I caught fish on it, then I'd probably use that rig more. But generally speaking, I use soft braid. Um, with a long shank hook, like a you know a straight long shank hook, not a long shank, but you know what I mean, a, a straight shanked size six on a KD with a 14 mil bottom bait and half a 14 mil pop up on top. And the only thing I do on a cleanish bottom by clean, I mean sill anything other than weed. The only thing I do is alter the length of that soft braided rig, depending on how deep I think that sill is. If it, I use the same rig in a solid bag, which I've had the fish out of. Grenville on, but I use it like three or four inches long in the solid bag. It's the exact same rig. I've used that rig since 2004. Back in the day, I used to use Maxima Line, the exact same setup, but instead of soft braid, I use Maxima Line. I've used the same rig for like 17 years. And, and that's, and I, I'm not asked about rigs. You know, you, you can see these lads, and the rigs are absolutely perfect. They're just a work of art, some lads rigs, aren't they? And they're always doing different things, and, and, and it's just like the only thing, the only rig I've seen, which which I thought, yes, that is the one. Um, is is like called Jason English showed me a like a long D blowback rig he uses, and honestly, you you can't pick it up without it sticking in your fingers. It's just like wow, <laughs> that, that is a good pop up rig. Um, and I did try one on Grenville, and I had my second when I fished in the weed. I had my second fish, but to be fair, I've caught me, I've caught all my big fish on on solids, on, on my normal braided KD. So it, it works, and, and I've seen, I don't catch many fish in terms of numbers. I'm not one of them who absolutely rinses it in numbers, but I definitely catch more than my share of the bigger fish. 
Like in my first season on Acton, I had I had 15 fish, which was decent. Four of them were 40s. And, th- and, 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 and not only that, they were like two of the most sought-after fish in the lake. I had, I had the, the matties and I had the slope. I had the Atwell male, which was hard to catch. So I had three of the hardest-to-catch fish in my first season, and I didn't really know what I was doing. It, you know, it, it, it was down to the bait. It wasn't me being a super angler, because I'm not. I just put something out, what they wanted to eat, with an acceptable rig. And, and it's the same when, when, um, like when I went on the lower and had, and had the Randall. That fish comes out once, twice a year, and, and I had it in seven days. I had it in mid-November. And it, it, it wasn't a rig. I just give it some food, what it wanted to eat. I put something highly attractive in the week before, just because there was no one on the lake. So I filled it in with with the particle. But that particle was next level in terms of its attraction, the chickpeas. And then I came back five days later, and I had that fish off the same spot. And that is all down to bait. It's nothing to do with rigs. The rig, the rig's capable of catching a fish, but it's not. I'm not catching it because of the rig. I'm catching it because of the bait on that spot. Yeah. And that's how I like fishing. I know, I know some lads, are, are, you know, are, are watch the water and they'll, ca- they'll cast at showing fish and they'll, you know, they, they do the sort of technical things that anglers do. And that's, I'm, I'm a bait angler. If I, if, if I see a, I look for a bait solution to an angling problem. I don't look at a rig solution. And, and that, yeah. and because I can't pre-bait, um, then, then the bait has to be instant, you know, and 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 have longevity over that over that um, mm. over that that forty hour session that I'm doing. I will tell you, when pre baiting works, when I was on Nipton in 2015, um, when Anthony showed me around the lake in December 14, when I went down to see him, he showed me around and, and we went up to swim up in the shallows. There's a little bay. And it's, the swim's called the cave, and I thought, yeah, they'll be up here in spring. And I went into that swim. No one was fishing it, and I, I was putting a load of particle into clear the spots before I left. And honestly, it made that – I ended up taking the late record. I only fished for two months. But that was because I was, I was baiting up before I left and then coming back five days later and fishing that spot. Whether the fish were there or not, I kept fishing that spot and putting a lot of particle in it, you know, from the boat to clear the spots. And that was easy fishing. In in sort of, I fished um, April, didn't fish May, went back in June. And on the 1st of July, I had the late record. So I only really did two months and I had three 30s and, and it's first ever 40 out of there just by putting the fermented particle in to clear the spots and then fish boily over it. Well, in the open water spots, I was fishing boily soaked in the particle juice. And on the the shallow spot, I couldn't put any freebies in because it was only four foot deep, and the swans were going over it. And I, I fished solid bags, and I, I had I had uh, two of the thirties and the forty on solids. Just to just to go back a little bit, sorry, just, well, something that I'm aware no, that some fine. just I'm aware that some people will be asking this question listening back to this. Um, when we were talking about you know how to target like the bigger the bigger fish, the bigger males, for example what would constitute a bigger fish because some people that are listening they're Depends perhaps like. the, the the bigger the bigger fish in their lake might be yeah yeah if it's 25 30, pound you know? 
if, if, if you've if the biggest fish in your lake is a 25 pound female mirror go in with a with a good fish meal if you're making the bait then go in with an lt fish meal but why would that fish have a difference of preference to say uh the same size fish like a 20 odd in in your lake you know what what would what what's the difference it what makes it have one preference because it's a big fish compared to the other stock compared to another lake where it's not bigger i think feet no it's nothing to do with the size as such the biggest fish in your lake is the biggest fish in your lake it, if it's a, if it's a female mirror it's generally going to like a fish meal apart from when it's low dissolved oxygen in winter so if you're, you're, you, your best chance of catching that fish is either in the spring or the autumn. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? Generally speaking, you want to catch that fish. If it's the biggest fish in the lake, just from a weight point of view, and how easy it is to catch, you're going to catch it in either spring or autumn. Spring and autumn is the time when fish meals are at the best. Because a carp coming out of winter is, is going to start building up spawn a female. Fish meals have got everything it needs. It's it's got calcium, phosphorus, all the minerals. It's got the betaine for osmoregulation. It's got everything. If you're putting the, the, the broccoli in, you're aiding the digestion. If you're putting spices in, if it's an older fish, then you've got your bioflavonoids. You put, you, you're giving it everything it needs that you can give it as a bait. Yeah? you start If you start in April, then you, you give it less because it, the water's cold, but it still wants fish meal because it wants a protein source, it's going to put on a, a 25-pound fish, say, say it's coming out of wind, you know, say, say, say it's summer weight is, is 25 pounds. Near to spawn, it could be sort of 28 to 30, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's going to put on, what, 20%, 15 20% of its body weight in, so, in, in, in a couple yeah. of months? So it's, it's, it's going to need proper food in order to do so. So fish meals are the way to go with that, with, with, with big female mirrors. Males, males want a more predatory, so they're probably not necessarily lacking protein sources, but they don't vary in the weight as much, do they? You know, if a, a big male can drop a couple of pounds. Like, say, say when I had the double back spawned out 1st of June, it was 37 and a half. Now, it's top weight that I know it's ever done is about 39, 12. So that fish is two two pounds and four ounces down from its biggest ever weight, and it's just it's just spawned. It's not spawned. It's jizz. But my point is, it's only lost two pound on a, on a, on an upper thirty. Whereas whereas the otted biggest ever weight, it's done forty seven. I've known it. To, I've known it to come out forty seven just before it spawned, and it's spawned out down to about forty one forties. So that fish, that otter, has lost seven pound on spawning. So, so the reverse of that is, if it's forty ones, forty twos coming into early spring, by it spawns at end of May, beginning of June, it's putting on five pound. That fish is troughing, and fish meals have got everything it wants in terms of minerals, calcium. It also depends on the lake you're fishing. If you're fishing a gravel pit, the pH of a gravel pit. Is a lot higher. You're looking at eight, eight, seven, seven, eight to eight two pH of the water. If you're fishing a, a silty estate lake, you've got a lower pH. Gravel pits have a lot more calcium in terms of the uh, the invertebrate life. 
which may or may not, depending on the pH and the calcium content of the estate lake. So, so fish meals have got a lot of calcium in them. So, so when you were talking about when fish need certain things, is, is fish meal providing something it doesn't have when it's coming out of winter? Probably in, in, in a lot of lakes. So, so, so on, on, a big, on, a, on a big female, what's got a, a big food demand, a big nutritional demand, and fish meals are attracted to them anyway, it's possible, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's possible that a female has slightly different, is wired differently to eat because it, it, because it goes up and down, because it's got, because it spawns, its nutritional requirements are going to be different from a male, aren't they? Definitely. We're 100%. In terms of calorific demand, just, yeah. just, just and oh, also yeah. it's probably its mineral content. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So, so, so that, so that's why I think fish meal scores so well because it's close to its natural food. If you're making that bait, you can make that bait exactly how you want it. Whether you want to attract naturals to it or whatever, and, and that is going to work. Mm. If you're going for a male, they don't have the same calorific demand. They're more sight feeders. If they're more predatory, if they're eating fish, then. That's the fish meal in a wet form, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a predatory male might not be attracted to fish meal on the, the thing that it's eating fish because it's got a different morphological form. A lot of males are long and lean, more like a pike shape. So, so they're more suited to chasing live bait about than a big wallop. You get a big walloping female, she's not suited to, 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 to chasing live bait about. She'll get her head down on, on a bloodworm bed or, or a, a, a bed of bait, tip up. But, you, you know, you, you get the males I like are sort of long, big, long fish. And, and that is, it's more like a torpedo. And to my mind, that, that is more suited to, to, to predator behavior just from, you know, from its yeah. shape and, it, and, it's, yeah. and it's, 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 it's everything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so yeah, so and if you were going after a big common, then again, I, like I say, they definitely, I, in my opinion, sight feeders, not not hundred percent, definitely not hundred percent, but it's it's about stacking the odds in your favour, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how big your fish are. When I was, like I said, when I was on Selby, anything over twenty five pound was was a big fish. There were two thirty. I joined, when I joined Selby in twenty eleven, there were two thirty pound fish in there. And, and one was a female, one was a male. And the female went, got caught all the time on a fish meal, usually ice red. And the male used to get caught on all sorts. But I, I, didn't, I didn't know then. I, di- I hadn't made this connection then. But all, all the evidence stacks up in, in my mind for the waters I fished. Um, but yeah, what a big fish is in one lake is, you know, I mean, if you go to um, where's that place? Is it Home Fen where it's done a seventy-five? So a forty pounder in Home Fen's nothing, is it? When you've got a seventy-five pound mirror exactly. swimming around. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. But 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 I would say yeah. I bet that seventy that seventy-five pound mirror hasn't got to seventy-five pound. You, you know, it's it's troughing, isn't it? It's eating. It's eating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, the same thing. If, if I was going after after 
if I was fishing on fen in the spring, I'd be taking a heavy fish meal. Unless I knew, unless I knew something about that fish. Obviously, I, I've never fished on fen, and I, and, I, and, I, and I won't. I'm not knocking anybody who fishes. I'm just saying I don't know anything about that fish. But it, but if I was going in blind and I was going a week on home fen in spring, I'd be taking a heavy fish meal. If I was going to France in summer, if I was going to France July and August, I'd be taking a nut mix, irrespective of what I'm fishing for, because of the water temperature and the dissolved oxygen and the cats. There's no way I would take a fish meal in summer to France. Because the, because of the application. Yeah. Well, it make, makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. It is absolutely fascinating. There's so many different rabbit holes we could go down. Um, <laughs> we've, we've been going for a long time. I think. Yeah, no problem. I bet you want to go to bed now, don't you? For no, I mean we want to explore it more, but it's it's just we we we've got to be respectful of time. I think that's all. Yeah, that, absolutely, that... absolutely. Well, the thing is, if anybody has any questions that we can address and we can ponder, because mm, I find definitely. I learn a lot from people asking questions. Yeah. Like on, 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 in bait groups, someone might ask a question and I think, why has he said that? That don't make any sense to me. And then it might make me think of something that I wouldn't have otherwise thought of in answer to, to what he's saying. Um, so so some, sometimes a question can elicit a response that you weren't expecting. So it's always, it's always good to, to talk yeah. about bait to, to people of all levels because um, do you know what I mean? It's one of those things. What, what's that phrase? From out of the, the, the mouth of babes. You know, you, sometimes you, you get um, some, 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 I, my brain is a bit weird as you probably gathered by, by talking to me. Um, I, I can hold information sometimes, a lot of disparate facts. And then someone will say one sentence or one word and I get like a chain reaction where all these disparate bits of information join up. But it isn't until I get that trigger which joins joins them up because I'm not necessarily consciously thinking about them. It's just all there in the subconscious. So, 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 so if you know when people ask questions that a bit you might seem a bit left field, um, it sometimes stimulates good conversation. You know, so yeah, it's very good. Anyway, I think I've uh, bored you enough now. So, <laughs> not not at all, mate. Done, it- yeah? It's fascinating, honestly, and um, you know, if I'm sure people will want to hear more of you if you're ever up for a part two. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely love it. I'll, I'll talk of, honestly. I I don't get to do this on my syndicate because people just run away. <laughs> people walk <laughs> away from hide. you. No, we love it. We we love it, mate. Um, that's all from me. I don't know if Pete, nope. if you got you got anything else you want to ask Stephen before he before we part ways. Uh, we'll, we'll do it quickly. We'll do it quickly because I know time is short. Um, it was just one question and this is just to round up when you say people often you learn I guess from people asking questions you see online Mm. Um, but but one thing that's sort of struck with me is you were talking earlier about your bait soak um, this is much earlier in the podcast yeah you're talking about enzymes um, and ascorbic acid Mm. Um, and I know for fact when Dean was on the podcast he was sort of an advocate for ascorbic acid very yeah. much for sort of protein synthesis and helping the fish sort of synthesize protein. Yeah. Um, and I know another episode uh, with Jason Ryder, he sort of claimed that ascorbic acid was one of the most um, attractive things to carp. Now, yeah. Dean's sort of response was very much that 
uh, ascorbic acid isn't attractive to carp in their own right. They cannot detect it. No, he said he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure. Okay. I think I think they can because I sent a photo, a, a picture of Katsumyun uh, and Dovin, um, where it's the palatability indices of organic acids, but it was only for tension bitterling. Right. And and ascorbic acid scores quite highly in in the palatability index. Interesting. I'd love you to, be able um, to share that with us if you can, mate. Yes. Um. It is. I got it out of John Wood's uh, Carp Science, and I've got it on my phone somewhere. But basically, yeah, it, is, it isn't for carp, it's for tench, but tench and carp have very similar, um, very similar sort of taste. How I was doing it was, was basically, I was using it. I used to do a lot of homebrew back in the day when I was, when I was into, into drink. And when you, when you ferment a wine... You, yeah. you, you, it needs to be in an acidic environment. So you, usually you, you put ascorbic acid and citric acid in. So when I was fermenting the, the, the particle with an high alcohol tolerance wine yeast, I knew that citric acid was attractive to carp, but also essential for the ferment. I knew ascorbic acid was attractive to carp, but also essential for the ferment. Um. Basically, um, Mark Holmes was on about Bob's sloppy spod mix, and it was it was fermented. So I thought, right, I'll give it a bash here. Um, I thought I'll try try this because of, of of the situation with the commons at Selby. The other thing about alcohol is it's hugely soluble. Mm. So so it, it, in water, which is what you want. Also, because it's usually soluble, it, it creates a, con- a, a diffusion gradient. So, so when I was putting, when I was baiting these these enzyme soap baits on the hour every hour, you're getting a reasonable, a localized leak off, and the alcohol's aiding that because it's massively soluble. So when you've got when you've got the hydro, you know, basically the enzymes were acting on on the the particle. And digesting some of some of the gluten, so you'd have a bit of probably some peptide breakage. You've got the yeast stuff going on, so the yeast the yeast is producing what yeast produce. Um, there's all sorts come off when, with alcohol fermentation, like when, when you're fermenting fruit and stuff. Obviously, you get an ester changes and all that. So, so the ascorbic acid is doing two things in in, in the in the in the alcohol ferment. It's it's aiding the yeast ferment. But it's also attractive in its own right. But the difference is, I'm adding it externally to the boilies, so it's much more. If, if, if Dino's putting it in his boilies, when that boilie goes in dry, when he feeds the bait dry, that bait is only really they'll only really detect the ascorbic acid when they start chewing it, which yeah. is a good thing. But there is very little external attraction from the off. Have you, have you, I spoke to Sam about the um, Ariascal and, and Charles Daly when they did they did a massive experiment about amino acid leak off mm-hmm. in the BC, BCSG papers and concluded that carp don't detect boilies by amino acids because because in a standard boilie there's not enough amino acids coming off over above the background which is the important part. They measured the background of all of all of the amino acid 
concentration in loads of different lakes at loads of different temperatures. And then they stuck some boilies in a tube, sucked water through it, measured the leakage of it over time. And it, it wasn't above background. Okay. So if, if, if you know how receptors work, yeah. you, you, you've got something in biology called neuronal accommodation. Whereas it, it once, once a, a neuron fires repeatedly, it becomes desensitized. It's the woolly jumper effect. You put a woolly jumper on, it itches like mad. Half an hour later, you can't feel it. And that is because the neurons have kept firing. They become desensitized. They stop firing. Well, if, if a carp is swimming around it in, in a, a, mole, a specific molar concentration of amino acids given off by a rich lake, and the boily only matches that same concentration, then it isn't, it isn't going to get a response from its receptors. Mm-hmm. The only time there's going to be some response is when it grazes across them or sees them, starts chewing them. If there's enough amino concentration in that, then it's in its, in its pharyngeal teeth. It's, it's hitting all its receptors in its mouth and round its head. But, but, but the, initial, the initial feeding response is caused by either the fish coming across it and thinking there's something there, I'm going to try and eat it, or they've seen it, know it's a boilie. When I say no, it's a boilie, they're familiar with round balls of food and eat it anyway, and then they get whatever's in that bait. But, but, but Harry Askell and Charles Daly, and Charles Daly is a professor, he works at a port and down or something. So, so we're talking heavy duty science here. They're saying it isn't amino acid attraction in a standard boiler. Why are they picking it up? Because it's a sealed unit. And hence, that reinforced my hot soak approach or my other approach, like my, my, my enzyme particle juice soak, because you're adding that attraction externally to the boiler. And, and then also when... Yes, they have to become they have to become close to it because of the dilution effect of what I said about there's a thousand liters in a cubic meter of water. I, I'm unless there's oils coming off a of bait and the oils contain chemosensory substances. If a fish is swimming, say eight foot to twelve foot up in the water over a bait, if it, apart from oils coming off, that fish is not detecting that bait in my mind. There's a possibility. Some some substances are, you're talking mega mega low levels of they actually work, but in my mind that fish isn't getting a lot of, of chemosensory. If they're swimming over a baited patch, they're seeing it, or or they 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 mooching in that area. Like you know, acting acting at the top in the shallows in in the summer, it can be three foot deep. So if you've got a forty pound carp swimming under the surface, its belly is a foot and a half above your bait as it swims along. So there's a, there's a, there's a, it's much more likely to, to detect your bait with a hot soak in that situation than on Grenville, where it's on 26 foot. Mm-hmm. If, if a carp swims over any patch of bait, unless it's oil, a lot of lads oil the baits up. So obviously there's, you know, if you, if you look at the Loeb report, the Loeb 1958 or 60 paper, oil's coming off bait, which, which contain chemosensory um, substances, well, the carp will detect them because the, the, the oil is acting as a, a carrier up in the water column, which is what Nick Heller's dynamite stick was about initially, wasn't it? He yeah. developed it as a, as a, as a means of, of, of releasing oil. 
And that also may be a factor of the nut bake in warm water because, because it's going to release oil. And the warmer the water, the more oil it is, is going to come up in droplet form. So that's another part, possibly part of it. So, so yeah, so, so as, as, to the, as to the ascorbic acid, I, I think all day they are attracted in, in a gustatory sense to it. And I don't have any, um, other than the, the tench information in, in the capsonium paper, um, I've not seen anything directly for, 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 for carp, but, but tench and carp are very, very similar in, in the, the taste preferences. So mm. I, w I would say all day that they are turned on by it. So certainly on, um, like I said, on the results on Selby, I know it was, it, there was a lot of stuff going on there. There was the CSL, there was the molasses, there was the enzymes on the nut mix. You know, there was a lot going on there, but I think throwing all those things in together, you know, um, but the difference in, in, catching, in catching commons and mirrors, the nut mix to the, the fish meal was, because the fish meal was going in dry when I, when I put the fish meal in. And 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 I was catching, you know what I mean. I was still catching the mirrors and hardly any commons. But when I went on the nut mix with, and especially doing it how I was doing it, it was just unbelievable. Um, you know, for for, for various reasons, it was a very hot summer. Um, but it, it was just mental. But yeah, to ascorbic acid all day. Um, I mean, it's doing the, the fish good anyway. From 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 what Dean said, I mean, I didn't know about the protein synthesis and all that, but obviously vitamin C is essential in humans. It's, it's an antioxidant. Um, it's not going to do the carp any harm, is it? But the fact, the fact that it's, it's, um, looks like it, it causes gust, you know, um, gustatory response is, is, is a bonus. I mean, I haven't put, I haven't put any ascorbic acid in my baits, but that's one of those things where, I used to put everything in and be obsessed, and now it's like there's enough in that. That that's a good bait that's working, and it might be improved. I've still got a bit of ascorbic acid in my garage. My garage is just insane. Um, I've still got some ascorbic acid. I haven't put any in, but it's not because it's not a good product. It's just the fact that what I'm doing is working. Mm. Um, but there's a lot to be said for putting ingredients externally rather than internally in a bait. As in adding it as a soak rather than putting consider this right. If you put citric acid in a bait, the generally accepted if you if you read a lot of forums, people say one gram per egg. Yeah. You put your one gram per egg, you do your bait, you dry it out. What's your molar concentration in that in that boiler? Go on. Well you don't know, do you? No. Because it depends how dry it is, what other ingredients are in. And then, and then when it comes out, it depends on the degree of the degree of hydration, the water ingress, how long it takes for the for the carp to eat that bait. Is that bait being sat there an hour, three hours, twenty four hours, forty hours? Because all that time, that molar concentration of of citric is is decreasing over time, mm. and it's still trapped in the bait. It isn't coming out. So it's only when when it's only when the fish choose the bait that it will. Get get the the, the gustatory response, but 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 it's not the citric in the bait what is making that fish eat that bait because there's no leakage because it's trapped in a fucking egg bound round ball which is gelled with egg albumin. 
Exactly. There isn't anything coming off that bait in, 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 in a meaningful quantity in a lake with millions of cubic litres of, of water with, 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 with water movement. You're not getting it. The, the way you are getting it is if you add it externally. And, and, it, and it's not going to last forever. But depending on how often you can bait up, then, you, you know, you, if you can bait up every 12 hours, then you're going to have more than, than if you leave it for 48. So, you know, it'd be interesting if anybody was to, to, to add ascorbic acid externally. Like when, I, when I've actually used the particle, it's in the particle and the juice. So if I was going somewhere like linear, I would take my high alcohol fermented particle with all that in because you'd be spamming, you can spam on top of the reds, can't you, on places like linear. So if you wanted, if you wanted like a lot of attraction going in the water, then, then the way I do my high alcohol particle would, I reckon it, well, I, I have done well on linear back in the like 2006 doing you know, things like that. Um, because then you're getting the competitive feeding, aren't you? And it's going in all the time. It's that it's that match fishing sort of um, little and often. You know what I mean? You've got attraction in the water all the time. But but that's, again, that that's, that's to the application. You, you design your bait around your application. If, if you're making your own, you may as well, because you, you're not stuck to a commercial bait, which is all things to all people. You know, if you if you look at a commercial bait, someone takes it to, someone might be fishing linear with it, someone might be fishing Acton with it, someone's on Grenville on it, someone's on on a, a you know like a, a day ticket run run type match water, someone will take a commercial bait, and, and whoever makes that has got to try and accommodate all those different anglers and make make money. So, so it's never going to be optimum. It's just it's all things to all people. You know what I mean? So if you if you want to maximize, I think if you want to maximize your personal return and your designing bait, then then you you look at the application you want to do and then design your bait with the best features you can design for whether it's the water temperature, it's the type of water you fish, the speed. You know, if you have to make commons or mirrors, the you know if you've got competitive feeding or you've got loan feeders. You, you you try and optimize your approach to that, and it, and it might not be the same. Like I said on Selby, fish meal's got the mirrors, they're not mixed with the commons. The, the, the fish meals are on Acton, are, are, the, the big mirrors, you know, like I said, I've had the slope three times, I've had, I've had the Randall on my fish meal, make me liver fish meal, but the males are coming off off the, the, bright, the brighter bait. We've still got fish meal in, but it's not a heavy nutritional fish meal. And since since I've not used the liver fish meal, I've not had the slope, and I've had it three times. And then as soon as I changed bait, I've not had the slope for two years. And that and that speaks to preferences of of of, of fish, and I and I put it down to big female mirrors, the the, the the nutritional demand. You know what I mean? Are, are their chemo receptors more? I mean, you hear you hear anecdotes about pregnant women sucking coal, don't you? <laughs> I don't know whether it's anecdotal, but, but the, the point is humans crave certain foodstuffs when they're nutritionally compromised, aren't they? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was speaking to Dave, Dave Moore at the, at the NAS show, and he says he, he was fishing um, Euro Aqua. And at Euro Aqua, the guy goes around and putting 200 kilo of maize in each swim. Yeah. So, 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 so Dave said, and he's written about it, he says they shot a lysine. So he went in with a high lysine bait, and he reckoned he cleaned up. Now, I'm not, I've not fished it, so I can't, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And and I, I I reckon if I went in with, with my nutritional fish meal, I reckon I clean up mm-hmm. because the fish are the, the massive, they're hundred pound fish and they're eating maize. Well, then you know what I mean. And it has obviously got a decent stocking density because they're hundred pound fish. It don't need many hundred pound fish to to hit a high biomass. So I reckon if you go in with a good good fish meal, you'd clean up. Especially the times when 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 they they're requiring that. But but but. Dave is, is convinced that the lysine is is the way forward because the, the lysine deficient because of the maze. So, you know, that that's another part of the of the baiting strategy. Like I said, males males are more predatory. They don't have the same calorific demand in terms of of, of the, the spawning cycle. Um. So, as much as I don't subscribe to HMV theory because of the the way modern fisheries work nutritional baits definitely a lot of the time outperform and when i say a lot of the time i mean spring and autumn nutritional baits seem to outperform other baits at that time because there is a nutritional demand autumn they're building you know from late autumn they start building spawn don't they and, and also they're coming into winter the naturals are a decrease the naturals are decreasing but also the oxygen the relative dissolved oxygen is increasing because the water temp's dropping so you come from september to november i reckon that's when fish meals score by and large for you for your bigger you know your bigger mirrors and and same in the spring so that's that's my uh my theory, and I'm sticking to it until someone proves me different. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ascorbic acid, I definitely think there's a gustatory response. Um, and it is in cat's onion and dove in, but it's for tents. There isn't anything about, uh, about carp. No. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you seem to be, you seem to be doing all right by your theories. Um, and I definitely appreciate it if you if you find that article on your phone just to pass it on because yeah well, yeah um, I will I will I've, I've actually uh, photographed it so I'll I'll send it through ah awesome nice one nice one we've um, got all the organic acids in that list and everything's there from malic to tartaric to um, to propanoic mm-hmm. everything alpha ketoglutaric which is a metabolic intermediate um, all sorts. So yeah, it's uh, organic acids are the way forward, in my opinion. Right? Do you wanna do you wanna wrap it up now, so then you can get some sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for for the listener, yeah, it is half past one. We have been going for God, five hours, something like that, isn't it? Four and a half hours, five hours. It's possible. Um, You're gonna have to edit edit the uh, edit this one, right? Aren't you? There's not a lot to edit out, to be honest. It's all it's all good content. If if needs be, we can um we can do it over two parts. It's not a problem. Uh, yeah, it's you, mate. It's, I I was worried that there wouldn't be enough content because I know I'm I'm obsessed with bait and I'll talk to anybody about it at any time mate, until yeah. a point that they want to kill themselves. But I I was thinking you'd be lucky if you get an hour out of it, mate. 
No, do you know what? A few guys say that. Um, ben from Beeping Milling uh, the other week, he came on and sort of spoke to us and he said the same. I think once people sort of relax into it, and we just, it's like having a chat with anyone on the bank, well, isn't it? Once you it's relax like into bank, it. And, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. That's what we try and do. Have you got anything sort of to add to that? No, I just, I just shout out to, to everybody who's gone before me. Like, honestly, Dean Towie, the legend. Um, you know, he's he's connected the dots for for me. It's not much, but it, but it's enough to to have a um, just just to help. You know what I mean? He, he, his articles. When I used to read Cartwell back in the day, I wanted story, funny stories of people up to weird stuff, or bait articles. And the only decent bait articles were Dean's. Um, Big respect to Sean Harrison. He, he's a legend, and, and I really enjoyed his podcast. He, he's just—I've met him at the shows a couple of times, and he, he is, he is excellent. Um, and just that, you know, just just the characters you fish with on the bank, and it's like like if they were talking to Tony about bait, I thought I've clocked him. He, that kid is doing something with his bait, mm. and I had a chat to him, and he was quite open. And and you know, you just the characters you meet on the bank, you you, you get something positive off. The, the positive people, they absolutely smash lakes up. They're humble about it, and 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 they're nice people. And you can have a, and you've got a common interest in bait. It's it's just it's just a, a wonderful wonderful thing. I I haven't done anything about bait. I've, what I've done is I've pieced together other people's work and, and made made it my own or my my approach, my application. And, and 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 the only advice I would give to anybody else is that is the way to do it. Nick everybody's information, sift through it, get rid of the crap. I will tell you what winds me up. Just a final thing: when 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 you get these sponsored anglers saying a boily absorbs water by osmosis, my blood boils. I almost have a stroke. <laughs> it's simple diffusion. <laughs> you know? But what I'm saying is. A lot of top anglers who don't know anything about bait come out with some crap. Yeah. Listen to the people who know about bait. You know, your Jasons, your Sean's, your Dean's. Take out what what suits your style of fishing. Do you know what I mean? Because like if you're fishing, if you're like fishing somewhere like linear, you, you really you're not fishing, you don't need to fish boilies. Stick paste in, stick ground bait in, stick fermented particle, either bacterial part, fermented particle or alcohol fermented particle, liquidize your particle. Take, take those nuggets of information and use them in your angling to, 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 you know, what suits what's in front of you. Because I think the biggest mistake you make when you start making bait is, you know, X, Y, and Z is attractive. I'm going to bang them all in and I'm going to bang them in a boiler. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, it's not always the best approach. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you, the other thing is there is no substitute for experience in life. You can't buy experience. You, you can get on the internet now. It's, it's, it's amazing the amount of information out there. But th- there's the same amount or more of, of, of misinformation or, or information which isn't suitable to your approach. So, so, so the secret is, Try and learn about bait, but get the feedback from from your you know your empirical evidence, your actual angling. You, you can't be a bait guru without doing the fishing. 
mm. fishing a variety of waters. Like I said, I, I wouldn't have learned all this if I hadn't fished Axon at that time. Before he put the stockies in, when the fish were hard to catch, there were much fewer fish and a lot of big, you know, 40 plus males. If I if I if I started fishing active now, I wouldn't pick up I wouldn't have pick, picked up on on those things which I think I've picked up on because the situation in the lake is different now. Yeah, exactly. It dictates, doesn't it? Yeah, if I hadn't fished Selby with, with such a big stock of commons which I couldn't catch, I wouldn't have logged on that. If I hadn't have gone to Dream Lakes when it was super hot, if I'd have gone to Dream Lakes in the spring, I wouldn't have noticed that. Because the water temperatures wouldn't have been there, so, so you can only go off the experiences that you that you experience, and then try and profit from, try and analyze what's gone on. In, in, and, and it builds up over time. I've been playing with bait nowhere near as long as people like Sean. I've I've only been playing with bait sort of seventeen years, and been mega serious about eleven years. But in the last eleven years, I've done a lot of fishing on on variety of waters. And none of them have been that easy. Selby wasn't rock hard, but I couldn't catch the fish, you know, the commons I wanted. Nipton was challenging more for the ducks and the bream. Some people really struggled. I, I, I didn't find it too bad, but I went in with it. It's the only lake I've gone in with a game plan from the off and done it, and it, it worked. You know, like the, the, the bait in the spots when I was leaving and then coming back a week later, and no one was in that swim. Until I, until I had the late record, right? and then I couldn't get back in the swim. <laughs> but I'd done it then, so I wasn't asked. But the point is, you profit from the experience. You need to get the experience before you can profit from it. And that is, that is you know, most things in life, isn't it, really? But um, that's, that's what I, I, I would, you know, if someone's asking for advice about better, is, is try things, see what works, try and suss out what's going on in your lake and then try and adapt your approach accordingly rather than just think this is a good boilie. I'm going to use it everywhere. Right. I'm going to leave you to it because otherwise we'll be here till four in the morning. <laughs> easy done. Easy done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've, I've enjoyed the chat anyway. <laughs> it's It's been awesome. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, no, no, it's been great. But yeah, but if, like I said, if anybody's any questions, they can hit your podcast up and we can, you know, your your Facebook page or whatever, and we, we can try and formulate a response if anybody wants to. For sure. Discussions you know. going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. I mean, we've not even, the thing is, we've not even touched milk proteins. Mm. And I wanted to talk about, because you run about hydrolyzed whey, but we need to get into this another time, otherwise none of us are going to be functional tomorrow. Mate, so, there's... Uh, we, we there's leave it, really. Yeah, we'll leave it. There's so much we could talk about, and you're a fascinating <laughs> dude. We've got to get you on for a part two. If you're up for it, we would love yeah, to yeah, have you definitely, on. Yeah, definitely. But what would be good is if we get some specific questions. Definitely. If people want questions, yeah. I will give my take on it. I might not be right, but what they will get is a considered response. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we will... it, What I do is when, when I give an answer to someone, I say, I either say, I know I'm pretty sure of this because I've read it in a paper, as in Cats, Onion and Dovin, or this is what I believe from the angling experience. Mm. You know, um, that that's uh, you know it might open up avenues that we wouldn't otherwise think about. Like I didn't, I I've heard about orange oil, but I've never tried it. Or tangerine oil, I've never tried it. I've tried the Nash back in the day. I've tried the Nash tangerine palatin, but I've never. I've used garlic essential oil and I've used black pepper, 
Um, but I've never, I've never tried the, 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 like the sweet orange. I've actually got some in my garage. I've got like a 10 mil bottle of, which I've had for about 10 years. I've never got around to, to doing it. So it's, it's every, you know, every day's a school day, isn't it? It really is. Definitely. Right. I'm definitely going now. I'm going to leave you to it. But yeah, if, if people, if people get any questions, we, we can all sort of chew the fat yep. over that. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to come back on and have a chat. For the listeners, just pop your questions on the post that promotes this podcast, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram. Find the Stephen White podcast post. Um, pop your questions in there. And uh, yeah, we'll have some conversations in the comments section and then we'll, we'll get it covered on the next yeah. podcast as well. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Cheers, okay. Stephen. Right. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, no, Thank you, great. my man. All right. Cheers.